Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another instalment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and Weird Geeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced and no infringement is intended. Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to the Wee Geeks Horror Show, where every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic horror retrospective franchise. This is not a franchise. Don't believe the lies. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me throughout all of the 1980s with slasher films seemingly picked at random is Katie Watson. Hello. And Shannon Hollander. Hello. Como estas? You still with us? Barely. Still with us? Barely. Let me tell you. Barely. You're five films in. I was nervous last night that we were going to lose Shannon. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. There were a few moments where I was like, I am leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like when people like are ardently sitting next to me and going, I don't like this movie. <laughs> like that is the point that I'm like, I don't know if I should be like, we're going to turn it off or we're just going to power through. I never no. know. I just need you to, listen at this point. I hope you both know me well enough in watching these movies that I just need to release the tension I am feeling. <laughs> so if what I'm feeling is I don't like this movie, I just have to vocalize it. But there are Other- different tones to it. Like there are definitely times that you've been like, I don't like this movie. But then there's a, like last night you got to the point where you're like, I don't like this movie. Yeah. This, and I was like, I don't know if I should this, actually be listening to this. Yeah. Uh, you should. Spoilers. This film is difficult for a lot of reasons. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting into it because uh, you guys have been watching. You guys get to watch these movies together. I'm normally watching on my own. It's been very nice for me because this week's and next week's I'm getting to watch with my friend Tom. Who I actually started all my podcasts with Um so that's kind of been fun. And me and him used to watch like all the slasher movies and all horror movies. But he hasn't seen a lot of 80s slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Like he really came for it 90s and the noughties. Um, so th- he was new to these movies. And he might he said he might even join me to a bunch of the other ones we're going to watch. And it's a lot more fun to me for me to watch it with like a fellow yeah, slasher yeah. fan. Yeah, I um, can imagine And then critique so. them a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and- yeah, we're talking about this week, The Burning from 1981. Gets a 6.4 out of 10 on the old IMDb, which is pretty high high score. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon's nose is wrinkled. <laughs> Sorry, hate to give away my opinions at the very beginning, but <laughs> buckle up, but kids. If, if you're new to us, hello and welcome. Head on out to weirdgeeks.com. We are geeks.com where you can patch out all of our previous podcasts. You should listen to shows that have words such as. I can't think of any word that we ever used. Have we used any words? We never sure use words. Beansu, we don't use words. We don't use words. Mm-mm. No, just no. screams. Yeah, just screams. Screams just and whimpers. My moans. <laughs> yeah, mostly. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yes, you can also go and subscribe to us and rate to us on the iTunes and other platforms like the little, I know what I'm doing, don't worry, my English is stupid, and the little purple app thing on your iPhone. Or, do Androids have a little app thing? They must have apps too. Otherwise, yeah. what do people do with the phones? Yeah. Use it like a paperweight? They've all Maybe. got apps. Apps apps yeah. are everywhere. They're not just for dinner. <laughs> I think you find apps are only on Apple. That's good, Shannon. That's it. You're welcome. 
You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> uh, we, probably, we did two in a row. Whatever. Please do subscribe and rate us. The only way you can help us out because we don't do Patreons. We don't do banner ads. And by the love of God, we're not going to try and sell you any. Hair helmets. Yeah. Hair helmets. What is a hair helmet? I don't really understand. It's from Flight of the Concords. Mm-hmm. It's so that your oh, hair yeah, doesn't it get it's messed up. It's the actual hair helmet. When you're riding your bike. Yeah. Yeah. It's ingenious. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. God damn. I love that. Did they do it in... um? What was that film? In Napoleon Dynamite, did they have a hair helmet? Or is that just in my imagination? I think he just has a lot of hair. I think yeah. that's what you're remembering. No, that's true. Maybe I just interpreted it as a helmet. Probably enough hair that it does support him and save him from falls in a similar fashion to a helmet. Potentially. I could that's see the that. Benefit. I went to a jazz club last night and there was one guy who had none of the hair and then one guy had all of the hair. And I felt really they should have split it. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. one lost a bet. You don't know. I also manifested a female jazz, jazz drummer. Oh, you manifested it? With my it? mind. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. I would have very, very low self-esteem and a very low opinion of myself. But then I turned to one of the people I was with last night and I said, it's really weird. I've literally never seen a female jazz drummer. And then I went to the toilet, came back, and she had appeared on stage. <laughs> wow. You and rang. She, looked like, she looked like Sophia Coppola. The almighty Al White only I know. <laughs> uses his powers to make female jazz drummers <laughs> appear. <laughs> You should get in touch with David Copperfield from Terror Train. Yeah, there you go. You guys would be a real class act. The Mm -hmm. jocks we could anger with our magic (laughs) (laughs) as they sulk in the corner. As they get very upset. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, here we are, 1981. We've crept forward through the decade by but one year to one of the largest years in slasher films. So let's take a little look at that landscape. But before we get to the spookies, let's look at the not spookies. Who's got the entire worldwide gross for the top 10 movies of that year. I do. I do. It's Shannon. There she is. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Top 10 for 1981. Well, we're going to start the top 10 with Cannonball Run coming in at number 10. The- wow. Then at number nine, Chariots of Fire. Dang. Yeah. Some classics were here. Set in my, uh, set in my hometown. Is it? Cambridge, England. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, guess, I didn't really think about that, but I guess it is. Yeah. Like Number- originally? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, like, did they actually race chariots uh, in your hometown? They probably did. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. They uh, still do. Sundays. <laughs> cricket, cricket, crumpets, and horse Chariots. Racing. The three C's. Carefree, wow. <laughs> So English. Okay. Uh, number eight. An American. Roman. What'd you say? Oh, well, I guess. An American werewolf in London coming in at number eight. There you go. If Justin Law hasn't tuned out from his strip show the other week, he's definitely here this week excited. It's one of his favorite movies. <laughs> Just because we're mentioning this movie. Every time we say a movie that you're excited about, Justin, take off an article of clothing. That's all we're trying to do now on this show. Get him naked every single show. Yeah, I like a did good you get the, uh, podcast. Did you get the image he texted to us, Katie? Uh, no. He is tagged it... us on Instagram. Oh, yes, I did. I is very much naked? approved of this. It's uh, topless. <laughs> oh, well, all right then. I mean, he might be fully naked. No one knows. It's pretty great. Uh, I assume future, fully naked. Tag me too, at Shannon Hollander. I like naked photos. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't send these. those to me. <laughs> just open the floodgates. Just Justin. Nobody else. Just There's Justin. now a verbal yeah. contract. Let's, let's be clear. Here's a great one. Verbal Here's consent. Here's a great one topless with a, uh, with a woven Cthulhu-like mask. 
what he's going on. <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. It's fucking what a man. Anyway, back to the t- yeah. back to the countdown. 1981. Sure. Coming in at number seven, Fort Apache, The Bronx. I have no idea what this movie is. Sounds like a dad movie. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Number six, I know what this movie is, Arthur. Oh, very nice. Yeah. The original. I've heard of Arthur. It wasn't a thing in the UK, though. That was a big thing in America, wasn't it? Really? But, um, but it was a British show. Uh, yeah. It was a, a I thought British it was originally comedy. British. Was it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Never it was such it. a I mean, thing they fair, remade it, it not that long ago with Russell Brand. So, well, yeah. Ju- Jude Law was in a remake of it. Was Am I wrong in that? Oh, probably in most things. You know what? I can't remember. I, I don't. All I remember is seeing the remake and thinking it was bad. So then I thought it was Russell Brand. No, it's Dudley Moore. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, the new one was yeah. Russell Brand. Yeah. Oh. The old one was Arthur spends his time with booze and whores. Yeah. I think you're thinking of Alfie, maybe. That was a That's, remake with Jude Law. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. it was a dude's name, and that was the title of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, probably of. wrong. Arthur was probably really big in the UK. I just wasn't really. That I'm wasn't pretty my sure world. it was. Yeah, well, out of my bracket. You as hate well. things that are fun, so you know that makes sense. <laughs> that's true. Booze and whores. <laughs> you speak the truth, <laughs> Shannon. And then on to more things that are fun. Number five, stripes. Very good. Mm-hmm. Somebody tried it. to tell me the other day that this was a terrible Bill Murray movie, and I what? beat them up. They yeah, are dead as now. you should. <laughs> as you should. Uh, number four, Superman 2. Mm. Dos Superman. Dos Superman. Right. Number three, another classic, On Golden Pond. Oh, my God, Catherine Hepburn. Yes. I love you. I love you. What's this one all up? I mean, Catherine Hepburn, the Fondas. It, really, it just it doesn't get better. I'm literally looking at a photo of Katherine Hepburn that I keep on my desk right now. I As love you should. so much. Yeah, she's a she's a national treasure. R.I.P. Um, That's a different movie. <laughs> is that what Nicholas Cage not is in looking that one. for? That is, that is my <laughs> father's is favorite movie. If anyone needs to know why I hate scary movies so much, it is because I am raised by a man whose favorite film is National Treasure <laughs> <laughs> and assorted Disney movies. <laughs> Uh, coming in at number two for your eyes only. More Bond. Yeah, I don't remember who who was the Bond in this one. That would eighty one. That would have been Roger Moore by that point. Yeah, I feel like it's Roger Moore. I don't think we're Connery yet. I can't remember. Mm, good yummy Connery. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then <laughs> number one, surprising no one. I feel like right where it should be. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. <laughs> Weird movie. So good. It is kind of a weird movie, but I'm yeah, into it. It's a great movie, but yeah, you go back and watch it and you're like, this is weird. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is that the one, because I get them confused, is that the one? That's the first one. Is that the first one? So is that the one where the guys, where the faces may melt off? And no, weird? that's the second one, that's which is a one. really weird movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Those, I can never remember which one is which. Gotcha. Katie just rewatched them pretty recently, actually. I mm. did. And I think Raiders is still my favorite, because I'm trying to remember... Which one is the one where they open Last the Ark Crusade of the Covenant? Is the third one. No, yeah. which one's the one where they open the Ark of the Covenant? That's the one where Raiders the faces melt. That is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, and then I you didn't got, um, love Temple of Doom. I like Temple of Doom's. No, you female. hated Temple. Of Doom. I don't fucking remember. All right, I can't remember anything. Indy. <laughs> yeah, that's what. I, yeah, so she's in Temple of Doom. I did not like her. Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark is still my favorite because it's got. 
Um, the dark haired one in it, the chick. I really like her. I think so. We got that the right way around. I think yeah. so. Pretty She's sure. the one who comes back in the most recent one, which I don't want to talk about. Crystal Skull. But no she's the only one that's uh, that's good in that one. Mm. <sighs> well, anyway, uh, we did it. Thank you, Shannon. That's the landscape. Illuminating, scary as always. <laughs> we did it. Katie, tell us what spookies are happening in 1981. I'm going to wager a fair few of those slasher people. Yeah. Couple. So we're going to start off with student bodies. I haven't seen this one, but I've heard of it. I've done this list a lot, so people are going to be tired of me saying this, this info. But this is for Shannon's uh, usage in case we didn't cover any. Student bodies is a great, uh, the first ever slasher parody. It's like Airplane meets oh, slasher films. I mean, are we watching that then? Yeah, let's watch that instead. incredibly meta. It's a lot of fun. And honestly, shocking, because again, we were one year into really slashes becoming a big thing, and they were already perfectly parroting it. It was very strange. Why are you making me watch the scary... You know what? New podcast idea. Just <laughs> horror parodies. I'm in for that one. Let well, me tell again, you. You don't like horror films, but one of your favorites of all time is Shaun of the Fucking Dead, yeah. which is definitely a horror film. Yeah, but it's it's like, it's a horror comedy allegory, all of the things. That I can get mm-hmm. on board for. That I am I there for. I can't promise you student bodies is the, all those things. But. What'd you say? I can't promise you student bodies is all those things, but you, you'd yeah. enjoy it more than probably the burning. But yes. even then, the first like three times I saw Shaun of the Dead, I could not keep, I closed my eyes for the, like when the zombies rip them apart sort of thing. It took literally the third or fourth watching from where I was like, you can keep your eyes open during this. You can do it. <laughs> you just can do move. it. So we're going to watch the burning move. two more nights. Is that what you're no. saying? Uh-uh. Nope. 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 Then nope. she'll be fine. Nope. Nope. Was that it? Was that the only movie? Yeah, that yeah, was that's it. it. We're going to follow that up with The Prowler, which we are covering next week. Whoop. Ah. And then Piranha 2, The Spawning. Oh, Woo. that's why we did this list recently. Yes. We've covered it. Go back and find out where it ranks in our list of Piranha movies. It's great. Go watch it. It's very good fun. Omen 3, The Final Conflict. Ooh. Wish it I haven't watched any fan. of the Omen films. Uh, Night School, which doesn't sound very scary. Not a great one. Uh, My Bloody Valentine, amazing film. I've seen this one. No, Covered it. No. What a year for slashes, guys. No. Tell you what. Great title here. Just Before Dawn. It's a great title. Uh, It's another slasher, survivalist kind of slasher film in the woods. I approve. Uh, Where am I at? The Howling. We keep talking about The Howling. It's not a slasher. Happy birthday to me, which we have That is a slasher. (laughs) That was good. Came out actually the same weekend, I believe, as The Burning. Halloween part dos. Oh. Yeah, finally, finally returning. Took them a few years to come back when they were like, oh, yeah, these slasher films we started are making money. Maybe we should make a second one. (laughs) Good idea. Graduation day. Not a slasher movie. The fun house. Sort of a slasher movie. Sounds kind of slashery. It's does right. it take First place in a fun house? Yeah, spoilers, it does. Hmm. Stupid. Friday the 13th, part dos. Oh! Also released the same weekend. I have seen this one. I have seen this Shannon's one. Seen Look at her face. She's so happy. She's like, I know this one. I I've know seen this one. I've seen it. I lived to tell the tale. You can go back to our first episode of this series to find out Shannon's feelings on Friday the 13th, part two. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. Oh, I'm not going to tell you. Go back exam. and listen to it. Final exam. Not a slasher film. Don't go in the woods. 
sound <laughs> advice. Not a slasher film? <laughs> Slash, just general good advice. Yeah, it's great advice. Camping's stupid. Don't go in the woods. Uh, yeah, and then an American werewolf in Paris, which we've already discussed. London, London. Uh, or London, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's cool. what I meant. So, yeah, fucking tons of slasher films. 991. Woo, whole bunch was going on. This movie, though, also came out, directed by Tony Malum. He's a British dude. He was doing a lot of documentaries, uh, rock documentaries, uh, until this one, pretty much. Rock ducks. He, would, he would go on to do the... Yeah, rock ducks. He would go on to do Rutger Hauer's film Split Second. Uh, this film is written by a whole bunch of people. It was created and had original story by Harvey Weinstein, a man that some of you might have heard of. It also had original story by Tony Malum, the director of this. It also had original story by a guy called Brad Gray. And then it was the screenplay was written by Harvey's brother, Bob Weinstein, and Peter Lawrence. For people who don't know the relationship with the Weinsteins, Bob really is like, he's the horror guy. He's the genuine, he loves horror. He's why they had Miramax doing all the screams, buying all the rights to Halloween and Hellraiser and all those sequels came out because he loved that stuff. Harvey was more of a businessman when it came to horror in terms of he knew they could make money, whereas Bob actually really, you know, liked it. I say this all in the past tense as if they're both dead. We don't know. No one's checked. They are to me. Deep- <laughs> <laughs> they are to a lot of people. <laughs> DP'd by Harvey Harrison. Uh, he's also British. He would do, he would DP Cheech and Chong's, the Corsican brothers. But he's really gone, he doesn't do much as an actual DP that's of note, but he's been second unit on a lot of stuff, including The Expendables 2, Wrath of the Titans, Ninja Assassin, V for Vendetta, Tomb Raider 2, The Mummy, uh, and a whole bunch of stuff. Music. By Rick Wakeman, who is, yes, it's that Rick Wakeman. Oh, yeah. And that was a fun, Uh because he was in the band Yes. Ah, Ah, very nice. Thank you. He also contributed to a bunch of classic David Bowie songs. He's known as one of rock's greatest keyboardists of all time, and also British. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Starring Brian Matthews as Todd. This guy, (laughs) Todd. Todd, drink the water, this guy. Day, he's been in Days of Our Lives. It might surprise you to know. Yeah, he has. No, not at all. The it young does not the, surprise The Young me. and the Restless. Also, not surprised. <laughs> the Love Boat. Yep. Not <laughs> surprised. Santa Barbara. Uh huh. Nice. Not surprised. And a little murder she wrote. Okay. Oh, very nice. Leah A is as Michelle. She's been in The Love Boat. Okay. <laughs> Fantasy Island. Oh, that makes sense. Very nice. Walker, Texas Ranger. Nice. Oh. And Freddy's Nightmares, Freddy Krueger's TV show. Oh, the, oh. Brian. Br- I didn't realize Brian. they made a TV show out of that. Yeah, it's kind of like a Tales from the Crypt, Twilight Zone thing. Freddy's just introducing them as the weird sort of Crypt Keeper. Gotcha. Turning him sense. even more into a ridiculous cartoon character. Yeah. Which, you know, every pedophile should be for the <laughs> general public. Yeah, that tracks. Brian make, it, make it better for kids. That's what I say. Yeah. yeah. Brian Backer is Alfred. This guy would go on to be Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. He was in the Money Pit. Yep. He was also in Santa Barbara. <laughs> and most importantly, Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. Yeah, yeah. it is. Larry Joshua is Glazer. Ooh. Oh, Glazer. Goddamn. He's been in Friday the 13th, the TV series, um, which doesn't have any Jason in it. It's all just Twilight Zone bullshit. Uh, he was also in Dances with Wolves. He was in The Shadow, Party <laughs> of Five. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of the X Files, Walker Texas Ranger as well, NYPD hey. Blue, and Lost. Nice. Of course, we have Jason Alexander in yep. his first ever feature what, role. What? Yeah, yeah. As Dave, or as Jason Alexander, right? Uh, mostly known for, of course, his voiceover in Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
Yes. As well as a little bit of ER and Jacob's Ladder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's done it. nothing Hasn't else. Done anything else. Oh, and that McDonald's commercial. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. the Big Mac that's commercial. The so good. That's, that's the best. I knew I loved him from something. Yeah, it's that. It's that. <laughs> I love I mean, that that commercial, state, their that. whole pitch was like separating the yes. the lettuce and tomato from yes. the meat so that it wouldn't get soggy. I love it. It's like your well, whole concept honestly, is giving somebody a sandwich out of their car in, like into their car window. If you're va- if you're saying it's going to get soggy in that amount of time, I don't I think you might be doing something wrong. Yeah. If you're listening to us now and if you're not, then you can't hear these words then please pause it and go on YouTube right now and watch a Jason Alexander McDonald's commercial. It's McDonald's, right? Not a burger. so much Yeah, it's energy. McDonald's because it's McDonald's. a Big Mac. It's so fucking good. Oh, is it? I couldn't I remember so. if it was a Big Mac or a Whopper. I th- I'm well, whatever. Pr- I think it's a Big Mac. You'll find it. I don't know. You'll now. find it. Now watch that you say that, I don't know. Enjoy you'll find it. it. I don't know. They, I don't, they blend together yeah, for me. Google so. Jason Alexander burger commercial. Yeah, the fucking best. Yeah, so good. As is, as are all of the Bruce Willis ones for oh that beer God. or whatever. Oh it was. yeah, was that <laughs> Heineken or no, no? It was something less. It was like a wine cooler. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it's like Bartles and James or something yeah. like that. It's something. It was something really. It's something just very awful. not Bruce Willis. No, <laughs> there's like four of them. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, Ned Eisenberg as Eddie. He was into Miami Vice, Law and Order. We have Carrick Glenn as Sally. She only did this and in two other movies from 1981 to 1982. And then she quit the movie business. One of the other movies was called Girls Night Out. And clearly these experiences were enough for her to know. I don't want to make movies. Yeah. Carolyn Hulihan. Great name. As Karen. She just did this as well. And then a film called A Little Sex in 1982 Ooh, where, she, okay. where she was a bathing suit model. Huh. That tracks uh, she was for this Miss film. Ohio USA in nineteen seventy nine. Is she the camp counselor lady? She's the one so there's only well, not to spoil things for people because but there are only two actual pieces of girls who get nude in this film mm-hmm. and she's the one who gets like fully nude. Ah, uh, oh, brunette one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I believe I got that right way around, haven't I? Because Sally's the one who's showering at the beginning. Yes. yes. Yeah. Sally's not yeah. a counselor. She's yeah. just at no. camp. Uh, we also have Fisher Stevens as Woodstock, uh, which I fucking took me a minute to realize that was him. He's from Short Circuit 2, yeah. uh, Super Mario Brothers, Hackers. He's in a little bit of Frasier. He's in one episode of Lost. Well, so one episode of Frasier. He's in a whole bunch of Lost. Um, and most recently, people know him from The Blacklist and Succession. Mm-hmm. He was in Friends. Uh, he was in The yeah. Friends. Yep. Mm-hmm. He made the circuit. Ooh. Yeah. We sort of have Lou David as Cropsey, um, but we'll get into that. And... Hiding in the background. I don't know if you guys noticed it. We had another big actor, award-winning, I think Oscar-winning actor, who was actually in the background, and this was their first ever feature film. Oh. No? Uh-uh. Holly Hunter is in really? this movie. In the background? Sophie. She's just like an extra? Yep. She's got the bangs. She's the one with the bangs. Oh, uh, Obviously from yeah, the Piano 13 broadcast news, the big sick, blah, blah, blah. So... It's not, look, Katie's, what's wrong? She's not the obnoxious one with bangs, like the dark haired one. She barely says anything because I was waiting for her to like. Not the really loud one. Do something. I don't even know if she does say anything. She's just kind of okay. there. She's well, just like the one the I'm thinking of, girls. you definitely say, know that she says stuff. I don't, I don't remember I like, anyone I don't that looked like her. Holly Hunter saying anything. No, you get, she, she's like, the, you can see her in the background, but then you can see her when they're around the fire, you know, chatting. Oh, like, all right. Gotcha. gotcha. 1979 guys harvey weinstein at that point is 28 years old mm. just a young whippersnapper 
desperate to break into the movie business. Again, just to be clear, we we try not to talk politics on these podcasts. Obviously, this movie is going to be a little bit tricky not to. Mm-hmm. So we will we will yeah. err in and out of stuff. So he's chatting to his producing partner, Michael Cole, and he realized horror films are the ones making the best return on investment. We just had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We just had Halloween. Everyone's realizing this is really what we need to be doing. So they come up with an idea. Uh, Harvey writes a five-page treatment in 1979. He registers it in April 1980. And there's some people have had contentious about this because it's always been like this idea came up before Jason started being Jason. Uh, before even Friday the 13th. And to be clear mm. to people again, Jason isn't in Friday the 13th. He only becomes Jason in the second one. They had this before even the first Friday the 13th. And it was a month later after they registered it, the basic idea for it, that Friday the 13th would come out. Hmm. Um, and so it's just a weird kind of thing that they have the same idea. Although it's not that weird because it comes from an urban legend called the Cropsy Maniac, which is what the script was originally called, which is based on this campfire story told a lot of summer camps in New Jersey and upstate New York. Um, and if you want to know more about the actual urban legend, there's a documentary that came out in 2009 just called Cropsy. Huh. Now, at the same time as they're trying to make the Cropsy Maniac, there was a film in pre-production called The Burning by Joseph Ellison, who would later on go to change the title of his film to Don't Go in the House because he found out eventually that the Weinsteins were changing their one to be called The Burning. Don't go in the woods, then, don't go in the house. Just don't go, don't go anywhere. anywhere. Just, just stand, stand still. in the doorway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to add even more confusion, there was another film called Madman, which is another slash film, which I have seen. It's not great. Uh, that was in pre-production at the same time as this one. Had an incredibly similar premise because it was based on the same urban legend. Uh, but then one of the actresses who was in casting for Mad Men mentioned that her boyfriend had just been cast for The Burning. <laughs> so then the creators of Mad Men found out about it and re- panicked and realized we need to change our premise. So they they like changed a lot of the film, uh, delayed their film. It caused a lot of problems and it was delayed until 1982 before it was released in the market. By that point, it was oversaturated. And Mad Men, uh, sorry, Mad Man, not Mad Men. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mad Men completely disappeared. It, it wasn't, it, it did nothing. To be honest, it's not a great film. And I think that's part of why yeah. it did nothing. But yeah, their, their kind of panic over not treading on the same toes as The Burning definitely affected everything they were doing with that movie. I think it's hilarious uh, that they changed their entire concept based on like one woman in a casting session being like, oh, my boyfriend just got a cast in something similar. Yep. <laughs> and then fear spread. <laughs> right. They're like, what? And I love it. And I was talking about this with uh, with Tom when we we're watching this. I was saying there's something like it took me a long time to come around to 80 slashes other than the seminal ones. But one thing I kind of like about it now is, is there's just this earnestness to it. Like everything shot 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. There was only practical, obviously no digital on anything. And it's at a time when it was just like, you just go and fucking do it. Like there's no unions really. Like there's no like special effects. They don't know what they're doing yet. They haven't to invent this stuff and figure it out as they go. Mm-hmm. And there's something just like really, when you see these new cleaned up prints and it actually looks quite you know uh, not i'm not gonna say beautiful but they look pristine and like how they've been preserved and stuff like it looks you know not grimy like it used to on vhs i don't know there's something endearing for me about these movies because it's just a bunch of kids going out and making a fucking indie movie for no money and just doing what they have to to get it done i like it uh at weinstein and corky burger we're laughing over this name a a lot Yeah, they took an early version of the script to Cannes in 1980. Uh, they got some six-figure offers, but they rejected them because they were hoping to land more money once the film had been shot. So they brought in Tony Malam, a British director of Rock uh, Rock Docs, as Katie said. 
And Weinstein and Berger had previously worked as rock promoters. So that's why there's a lot of British ties. Like you may have noticed in the crew, nearly everyone was British and nearly everyone had a tie in some way to like rock stuff. Um, and then the screenplay was written in six weeks and they've been very open. They just tried to conform as, as close as they possibly could to all of the tropes that were beginning to emerge at, in the genre at the time. Um, and there weren't loads. Again, within a few years, you know, two years later, these things would be solidified. Mm-hmm. At this point, they're still trying to figure out what a slasher film was. Uh, but in the script, in the original script, there was a murder every 10 minutes, <sighs> which is not true of the movie. No. Budget started, I believe, and there's a little contention about this, but the most evidence points to it starting at 500,000. And eventually, because they were first time filmmakers, they had a bunch of problems. It scaled to one and a half million dollars. Oh, wow. Um, and most, most of the money is believed to have come from the Weinstein's family. And because of that, they named the company after them. And their parents, the, uh, Bob and Harvey's parents were Miriam and Max. So they called it Miramax. Mm. The movie ended up making $7.1 million. Uh, it did huge in Japan. Um, it, like I only played at a few theaters to begin with and made incredible amounts of money. It was really like a big, big deal over there. Weird. Uh, and they shot near Buffalo and north to Nawada, Tawanda in uh, New York, near Niagara, Niagara Falls. Niagara. <laughs> Niagara. Tom Savini is one of the other big names here, the effects artist. I don't know if he means anything to you, Shannon. We looked him up last night because both Katie and I well, Katie predominantly was like, this name seems familiar. What's it from? And I was like, yeah, it seems familiar too. And then we looked it up. <laughs> he's one of the big two. Like, I mean, he's really the originator of like, he's seen as the grandfather of, of horror effects, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and it all started really with these with these few years and these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the guy like figuring it all out. He had been to Vietnam. Uh, he was actually a war photographer there. He had seen a lot of terrible atrocities <laughs> and had come back and decided to recreate them essentially in horror films. And that was his way of dealing with what he had been through. Mm-hmm. And he's always a really fascinating and interesting man to see in interviews. He's like got a great charisma to him. Uh, most people, I'm presuming you haven't seen From Dust Till Dawn? No. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a Tarantino Rob Rodriguez, so you might have. Um, I don't know. I, Definitely a fun movie. I know of it, and I feel like I've seen clips from it because there was a period where, like, that would get played on TV in the 90s, right? So I have seen parts of the TV version of that film. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. I do know what you mean. Also known as um, Don't Go in the Bar. <laughs> so do not go in the vampire bar. Yes. Um, I'm yeah, just going to well, make a okay. list of all the places you shouldn't go to, a, to not Listen, get killed in a horror I'm movie. into this. Let's make a list. I, I will follow it to a T. Don't go in the house. Don't go in the woods. Don't go in the vampire bar. Don't go in the bar. attic. Don't not go in, in the, the basement. Shower. Mm-hmm. Don't go in the shower. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 This time I'm going to live my life from now on. On it. <laughs> Don't go under the bed. Don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Katie, you've seen From Dust Dawn. Obviously, you'll know I Tom have. Savini. As a lot of people do, as Sex Machine. Yes, he is the very, very fun character. Well, I've definitely watched a documentary with you that had him in it. I think it was for Texas. Is that what he's done? I don't think. Oh, he might have done a later Texas. It was one know. of the film, one of the ones that you were watching that I don't think I was a part of, and it was okay. kind of talking about his pedigree in. I mean, we'll have covered him on Friday because he did a lot of the Friday Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. He did the first Friday the 13th and then he worked uh, with the director next week on Friday the 13th part four, but we'll get there next week. Anyway, he was asked to do Friday the 13th part two because he had done Friday the 13th part one. Uh, But then he was like, hey, what's your premise? And again, spoilers, there's no Jason in the first one, 
Jason's a little kid. The second one makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. They just do a hard sort of weird reset. Mm -hmm. So they told him the premise and he was like, well, that's stupid. Why (laughs) would you bring Jason into this? Like Jason's his little kid. So he was like, I'm not doing that movie. Um, And then he was asked to do The Burning, which was basically Friday the 13th anyway. So he was like, fuck it. I'll do that movie instead. Too funny. So he went off to do this. And we got a couple of little fun, a couple of fun things to talk about him as we go through uh, the movie. Rick Waitman, the musician for this, as we talked about before, from the band Yes, and lots of great, huge heritage, really. He was offered a percentage of profits, but he didn't think the film had a chance, so he took a fee instead. Um, and then it ended up making a lot of money, so he would have got paid a lot more if he had actually banked on the film's success. And this movie, we'll get to it at the end, but it was one of the first movies to land on the UK's Video Nasties list. I don't know if you guys know much about that, Mm -hmm. but it was a huge deal to do with censorship in the 80s. A lot of it came off the back of America with the JFK assassination. There was a huge crackdown on horror nasties, and the UK was affected with an actual ban list. It's kind of crazy. Um, And that's all purely because of the raft scene. It also might surprise you because they had no money for this. All the wardrobe was just people's actual clothes. (laughs) Uh, This was just what they came and wore, basically. Oh, wow. Uh, yep. Yeah. And then we'll get into the other stuff as we get into it. Shannon looks excited. Very. <laughs> Camp Blackfoot. We're straight in. <laughs> Which immediately a- makes me laugh because it just makes me think of like uh, a, a story of friends where we went to Vegas and a friend of ours went rogue and went off on her own for a night and came back the next morning and uh, she just had a black foot. So it makes me think of that story of Haley going rogue and coming back with Blackfoot, which just makes me laugh. It's such a weird thing. As long as you're laughing, you're having a good time. Yeah, this is the As only we went through this movie, movie with Tom, every name that came up, Tom was like, I bet there's a metal band named after that. So he would like Google each one. It's like, yep. Yep, yep. That's funny. <laughs> so, like everything in this movie. <laughs> Some kids are whispering in a dorm. Uh, they're going to pull this prank on a creepy caretaker, in their opinion, called Cropsy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say right off the bat, like it's nice to see this film looking good. The sound in parts of this movie, particularly in this opening, is fucking terrible. Couldn't hear a word they were saying. Yeah, right. Um, it's very hard to pick up why what the context of this is, and definitely the word Cropsy is buried. Oh yeah. Here. A hundred percent. Cropsy's I don't know who any of these people are. I have no idea what they're planning or plotting or why. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was annoying. But they've got all they got all the perms. They do. Um, oh my god, so much curly hair. <laughs> and there's no music here. And there's quite a lot of this film with no music. Mm-hmm. Which whether it was an artistic expression or just he couldn't be fucked for the money he was getting paid, I don't know. But I will say it kind of it accidentally works in certain places to feel like a little bit more eerie weirdly. yeah i i completely agree so crops these ages is caretaker who's just looks like a dude who's not the most attractive man in the world i guess he's having a little snooze uh one of the kids is creeping into the cabin we got our first jump scare as he stirs a little moment and tom turns to me and goes is that meant is that what a jump scare was in 1981 <laughs> yes and it's still applicable <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Still works on Shannon. Yeah. I did really appreciate the um, the art direction of the many bottles of alcohol that's by him. It's spilled over. Oh, yeah. They need to show just how flammable this cabin's going to be. Right. Yeah. Well, you're already walking in. And as the kid, as they're walking in, you're just like, what the? Who the fuck is sleeping in this room? There's like, <laughs> it's a tool shed with a bed in it. The fuck? <laughs> 
We've got like a bath of paraffin next to him. Also. Yeah. Yep. Um, I also don't feel we need five kids to do this. Like it's right. a one-man operation for sure. Especially <laughs> Maybe two since people. the four other kids don't come back in any way, shape, or form. We're only following. No. And it took me yeah. forever to figure that out. I think, yeah, but you kind of have to embrace the camp mentality. And at camp, you don't really do things by yourself. You do things, you know, amongst your peers and there's pressure from other people. So, but I definitely expected... take a woman into the woods and become a sex pest. Obviously, right. Um, But they, I was really surprised that that little blonde kid who was like the most hesitant of the group, that is usually the person that comes back. And then the person who kind of has to come out of their shell to embrace what they've done or being a part of it or whatever so because like as we're gonna find out this guy who we are gonna be with later on isn't even the guy who set it on fire like we're not even with the main guy yeah in the end so it's it's very very confusing but I mean, I will say, yeah, and we'll get to that when we get to it, but I will say like that it's, it's again, they're figuring out the rules of what these slashes are. Obviously, I'm sure Shannon's picking up on this as well as we go along. You have the setup at the beginning of the law. Mm-hmm. you got to create your urban legend, basically. Um, and at least they're doing that here. Like it's not, again, it's not, it's like I feel about last week's. It's not the worst, at least when I've got twirling around <laughs> right. sheets in this one. It's a little bit more serious. But also insane because then, then they start tapping on the window to wake up Cropsy in the most obnoxious manner possible. Right. And then he wakes up and we've got fucking Jason Voorhees' mother's head <laughs> just yep. sitting there. But pre-Jason Mo- Voorhees' mother's head. So it's kind of strange yep. uh, with worms crawling out of it. Now, whose head is this? I know, because somebody is like, oh, you did a great job. And he's like, yeah, I found it or something like that. I was like, this isn't Terror Train where all these kids are pre-med. How did you find a fucking skull? And how are you not freaked the fuck out that you found a fucking skull? Right. (laughs) Unless we're meant to assume he made it. That's a legitimate head. I don't know. That does not. Because you got like worms crawling through it. It's all decomposing. They put candles inside it. Yeah, which he lights before he pulls out of the box, which I was like, you don't. (laughs) Light it before you pull it out of the box. That's how you burn yourself. Is that what this movie's about? It's the so dangers stupid. of candles. That's it. All these kids should go to jail. Yeah. Seriously. Like, it's just terrible. Just for Absolutely. that. Just for getting that head. Nothing not yeah. for what happens after that yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, annoying. So, of course, Cropsy wakes up. And we're going to find this thing. We're going to find out stuff later that Cropsy, in a f- couple of throwaway lines, is a bit of a creepster. Mm-hmm. But here, none of it. So no. uh, you're just feeling like, what the, this poor fucking guy. Right? I know. Who then, of course, panics, pushes over the head, sets his feet on fire, which is actually uh, Tom Savini's feet. He does most of the stuff himself whenever it's got to be mm. not the face and frame. And then a can of gasoline blows up. The whole cabin just fucking ignites. Right. I always sleep and with then, a can of gasoline by my bed. I know. And, and it's like, it? it's not even like a small, like I would understand, you know, the like mobile gasoline. He's the caretaker. No. This is clearly like a tool. Sh- no, this is a giant fucking <laughs> like yeah. steel tub of gasoline yeah <laughs> fuck? which he would have been breathing in these fumes if right. he was sleeping in this room exactly. oh yeah he's dead anyway yeah, yeah. he's for you sure get a hot summer like, night done. right maybe that's why he's such a weirdo brain damage from gasoline fumes yeah <laughs> he comes running out like a fucking champion on fire yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's, like, and this is what I, this is what i love about these films it's like you couldn't do it in this way anymore it's just like so the way this actually happened was they'd rigged it up as safe as they could, which again, not in the same way you do it nowadays at all. And you have like a guy in there, Tom Savini's men get a torch lit from outside. 
He walks through. He goes with the guy. They set gradually the whole place on fire in a certain order. Then the guy like sets himself on fire and then he runs out the front door. Instead, Tom Savini comes running in through the back, trips on the rubber cement, the torch flies and the whole place goes up. And the guy just <laughs> runs out on fire. Oh my God. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. I, I fucking love it. Like, That's this, insane. Like, obviously, I hope is not how you make movies. If everyone listening is ever thinking about working with me in the future, I promise we would have better safety control. But I love like back in there, those days, it was just like, you just go do it. You well, know? yeah. I think and it's so you're great. like, just keep rolling. <laughs> and I really appreciate that. Like at this time, a man on fire was like a cool effect, right? So then they're just going to film it for five minutes. It's like oh, yeah. now it would be like a quick thing. This guy's on fire. It would almost be it would be a throwaway almost because it's just easy and we're used to it. Right. But then it's like, watch this man dance in the fire. Essentially. Yeah, it's fucking great. And take a lie down. Right. While the kids just watch. And you can see in the kid's face like, is he all right? Like, yeah. That did should not we, go as planned. Should we do yeah. something? Should we? Huh? And this is where we get the cool music kicks in and fucking keyboards. Are doo -doo 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 -doo. It's fucking great. I love it. I'm not making uh, any money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is all you get. Three fucking keys. <laughs> I, I wrote songs with David Bowie. <laughs> he tumbles, old Cropsy tumbles down to the lake. And the kids just scarper. So we do have the setup of like, okay, we know this guy's got to be alive. I, I've seen this movie. Sorry, we've stopped doing this at the beginning because everyone has to presume I've always seen these movies and you guys haven't. Right. Um, Katie, have you, have you seen this one actually? I, I remember. remember the Jason Alexander bits of this, but I don't remember anything else. <laughs> I think else. I was watching it one day and you kind of walked in and out of it. That is possible. Watch watch I think it. I might have been like, is that George? And then I walked out of the room. So... <laughs> Um, but I never, I always remember the opening because you always remember the setup of these movies. Right. And then I remember the movies, like, but I, I never with this fucking movie remember what comes next, which is <laughs> cutting to St. Catherine's Hospital oh a God. week later. Uh, these two nurses are chatting shop and it's so great. Like one of them is just like an absolute dick. Like one's been there for a while and the other one's new. And he's like leading him through. So, hey, man, you got to see this guy. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. Yeah. You're not going to believe your eyes. You'll never sleep again. You got to see this guy. Well, and he just <laughs> It just bothers me how much he keeps using the word freak. I think right. that's the only yeah. thing that I was like, oh, buddy, stop. Well, what's <laughs> but again, is, it's different. It's, it's a different time. It's an actor that you can clearly tell he's just trying so hard to remember his fucking lines. That's all yeah. he has. He's just like, he's kind of like looking over to the side. Part of me was like, he might even have like cue cards up on the side. The way that he was like, not really making eye contact with the person he's talking to. Just say freak again. Right. But that is in real time watching an actor just be like, wait, what What the fuck are my lines? What am I saying? They're like, they you know, the so general thick. idea. Just keep going with that. Right. They let on so thick. They're like, he's yeah. a monster. Yeah. I'm like, all right. This guy just what does he say? Burned. He says he's a Big Mac well done or something. Yes. <laughs> so fucking terrible. So they, head, they head over, take a look at him. And then, yeah, Cropsy's burned hand grabs the orderly. He screams and then doesn't move. Right. <laughs> and oh, then the title oh, comes. Which is also so strange because it's like, uh, this is neglect. Like, he should be bandaged. <laughs> like, right? The, oh, yeah. The fuck? Why is his arm exposed to all? Like, that's like the first thing they do whenever you come in with severe wounds. He would yeah. be like in full bandage. Uh, 
Yeah, but this guy's unbandaging him otherwise, so he's got like something to show off to people. He oh. needs his freak to be on display. That's so he's what like it is. going in at night and unwrapping him. Gotcha. That was gotcha. honestly my first thing when they were walking down the hall and he's like, You gotta see him. I was like, Won't he just be wrapped up yeah. from head to toe in bandages? And then when that happens, I was like, All right, I guess not. St. Catherine's is like low budget. <laughs> right. No more bandages. We can't afford the gauze. <laughs> And this is where the titles come up, Rick Wakeman's name come up, and this is where Tom like turns to me and goes, wait a second, I know Rick Wakeman. And he Googles him and says, yep, played with Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, Lou Reed, like fucking everybody. And then we cut to five years later, and we're in a new clinic. No, it's still St. Catherine. No, it's still St. Catherine. Oh, that's still St. Catherine's? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, we get just this terrible scene of multiple VOs well, of like... Five doctors. I don't know why you need multiple people telling him yeah. <laughs> like all of this stuff. Yeah. But they're basically like, okay, we're going to let you loose now because we don't really know what to do with you. The skin grafts didn't work. Right. But don't resent kids. Right. You're just in time. Everything's fine. Yeah, I actually- <laughs> the first couple of months wheelchair. will be the worst. They, just, <laughs> they wheel like, him out in a wheelchair bye. and then he just walks away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's inexplicable. I didn't mind getting- like all the voiceover sort of backstory in terms of like filling in the gaps of what this man's five-year journey has been. And it was like, obviously it's like serving a purpose and it feels cheesy and all of those things, right? But So cheesy. Yeah, but I didn't honestly mind that too much because at this point I felt like there had not been nearly enough information given to me as an audience member. So I was like, at least I'm getting some information now yeah. about who this person is and what has happened and their motivations, which doesn't seem to matter for the rest of the movie, but that's fine. <laughs> no, to be completely clear, like setting up Cropsey in this movie, I mean, I prefer the backstory of Jason as a kid, mm-hmm. but then there's a huge gap of just illogic with the Friday 13th series. This makes more sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is pretty simple setup. Yeah. And it makes more sense. But I feel like in modern um, times, because like you were saying, they're still kind of learning the tropes of things that I feel like they would have just cut this because then it builds the suspense of if he because the kids are going to keep saying, no, oh, the body was never found. And so oh, then definitely. you're especially with since we're going to be from the POV of the aggressor throughout and not know who it is, then it kind of builds that tension of, oh, it might be one of the kids. It might be you don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. So. Because here well, you obviously yeah. know who it is. Yeah, which I kind of like. I kind of like it when I know, yeah, it's just Jason or it's Michael. Or it's like when it's less of a whodunit. Like if it's a whodunit, you got to do that really well. Or inter- like, again, for me, April Fool's Day was one I enjoyed. There might be one coming up later here. There's a film that came out this weekend called Happy Birthday to Me. Like they're more whodunits and they do it well enough. Mm-hmm. With this one, I kind of like that we know it's him, but I do agree. We don't need any of this stuff. Like he yeah. rolls down into the lake. Like if we see him in a hospital, then that was reported to the news. Right. Like, right. Everything that happened that night is in the news. Every campfire person then knows that yes. this guy was taken to hospital. Well, then don't no they sense. insinuate later that the whole fucking Camp Blackfoot burnt down because of this? I feel like that was a throwaway line that much later in the film we get. But yet they have no idea that the man actually lived and was taken to the hospital. Like if you set a man on fire... <laughs> You yeah. would know. I appreciate this the wasn't outcome. the internet age, but it, yeah, Ugh. it's a small town. Yeah. What makes even less sense to me is the bit that I always forget is that he then takes a stroll, dressed like Dark Man, yeah. to the red light district. <laughs> Yeah. And we see through his POV. So whenever we're seeing through his POV, they did something I re- used to really love in this time. They would literally smear Vaseline around the edges of the lens, which is mm, kind of cool. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, we get these great shots of just like a woman's thigh protruding from a doorway. Right. And then she leads him upstairs. She's fucking hilarious. I she love her. And yeah, I, I was, was really like, upset. I was like, don't kill her. I like her a lot. <laughs> but she is, with her behavior, she's literally asking to be murdered. It's true. You don't yeah. just ask pe- men up into your room, like your right? actual house, apartment. Yeah, no. So, yeah, she uh, turns, well, he turns off the lights, but then lightning illuminates his face. We don't get to see it, but instead we get to see, her, I would say her reaction, ish. but we don't because she's the worst actor in the world. Yeah. Huh. Huh. And I, I like oh that my like, God. Just people's go. reaction Just to this go. face right, is not like the, the reaction to the face is people just freeze in time for yeah. the most part. They're not like... They don't seem to be scared or really shocked. It's just like they're frozen. Like seeing this face is like seeing Medusa. Like it's mm-hmm. a, such a strange reaction. In some ways, I kind of feel like it's interesting, but like it has to be done really well. And this yeah. woman is not doing that. <laughs> no, she's like, oh, no. Oh, no, please. No, no. And then he pushes her so slowly through the window. It's quite amazing. She's like such a slow squish through. Like does Uh, not defend herself in the least. So weird. Scissors in the belly, and then there's a good wiggle. Yeah. She like gets it in there, and there's a good like. Why do you have to? Oh, I did not. Why do you got to twist the scissors? This is the beginning of Shannon's problems with this movie. We've set up (laughs) that this character has a vendetta against these boys, and yet the first thing he does is let me go kill a hooker go fuck yourself <laughs> so again we don't like to get political and i don't like to um i don't unless i know someone personally and even that i don't like to you know whitewash someone's entire life with something i don't know what harvey weinstein was like when he was 28 years old just because he was involved with the concept of this i don't you know again no allegations i believe have ever been brought against bob but obviously he knew what was going on with harvey mm-hmm. but I didn't really bob get help write mess. the screenplay yeah no, yeah, Bob did. But that's what I'm saying. So, like, if Bob's writing it and no allegations were ever reported against him, like, I don't know. I don't want to, like, just because Harvey's name is here in a prominent place, you know, there are so many slasher films. If I wanted to, you can, like, throw so much at them right. if you knew someone who involved was someone like Harvey. But we're going to have some fun with it on this one yeah. because there's a definite way you can interpret everything that goes on here. Yeah. yeah. And I think you can't you can't separate this film from the Weinsteins, right? In the same way that like you watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith and you're like, oh yeah, they were a hit in it at that time. You know what I mean? Like you just know. And I think... And I think the, the added- differences are you're coming to it now. Like right. Mr. and Mrs. Smith at the time, you knew about their relationship. Well, right. My difference is I'm going to be like able to because I've seen this film many times before anything happened with the Weinsteins that people really knew about publicly. Right. Know? So like my 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 relationship with this movie is separate, and this was the first time watching it with new baggage. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's re- it's more than anything Weinstein's aside, indicative of a culture <laughs> that didn't give a shit about consent or women. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's stuff we're going to get into there. But like as we go through, so like me and Tom were like talking about it and coming up with the kind of accidental or subliminal message that's going on here. And as we're going to get to it, we're like, okay, would everything have been fine? Was Cropsey just looking for validation? You know, it's like he's got out. He just wants to have sex. He goes to the red light district. And if this prostitute had seen his face and the monster that he is and had been like, that's fine. As long as you still pay me, we can still yeah. like do this. Would he not have gone 
and killed all of these kids for the rest of the movie? Is it because this woman who even, you know, being paid rejects him mm-hmm. that that he goes on his rampage? Is that the accidental kind of message that's, that's going on here, essentially? It's like she should have been able to be okay with the monster that he looks like he is and then he wouldn't have become a literal monster. I well, mean, I don't think that it's fair to say she should have been okay with it, but I'm no, like, I'm I understand what you're I'm saying. I'm saying the message mm-hmm. that it seems to yes. be saying. I'm not saying my, I'm not saying anything I feel. I'm just no, saying no, no, what no. we're being presented I know, with. but I'm saying it's not about whether she should have accepted him. It's more about if he would have been more okay with himself, mm-hmm. like with other people's reactions to him. Because... Like, okay, well, I'm saying I feel like the movie is telling me penis that even if working? she had accepted him, it, it would have burned. Been okay. Like right? everything on this guy is burned. Like there's no way he can even probably have sex. So yeah, I, I feel think like, it's more. I don't know. I feel like that explanation helps out with the rest of the film because, again, future problems I have with this is that that he has a vendetta against the boys and yet uh, the first people he kills are all women (laughs) that he doesn't seem to be taking that vendetta out on the appropriate people at all. So this explanation does kind of explain that, right? That then it's just he wants to kill everyone, the women that refuse to love him and accept him, I guess, if you want to go that way. And then the men that are in some ways responsible for uh, his disfigurement to begin with, I guess that makes that a little bit, that pill easier to swallow. But I still think it's a reach. (laughs) Holy shit, I just realized that like it does play into the whole consent thing that we're about to see Mm -hmm. because he watches these girls tell these boys no and then the boys mm-hmm. get upset, and then he kills the girls as they're yeah. walking away from the boys. Oh, yeah, boys. no, no, no. We'll get into a very direct correlation, which then gets fucked, fucked up as we go up. through the film yeah. a little bit. Yeah, fucked up. Um, but so every, this is what I mean. Every other time I've watched this movie, I've just watched it as a slasher film. I'm right. going to say, as someone who used to watch it quite a lot, and obviously everyone had different interpretations, it was no more or less icky than any other slasher film. They all, you know, have problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only thing that was that stood out with this one was that there are quite a lot of girls who look, you know, genuinely young in this film. Like, they look like genuine teenagers rather than 25-year-olds and 28-year-olds and stuff. That was the thing that kind of stood out. The other thing for me was always just the problem with this movie. was like, I was always like, why the fuck does he kill the prostitute in the beginning of this movie? It made absolutely no sense to me. I completely agree. But this time, watching it and talking about it with Tom and looking at it through a sort of, again, probably subconscious, like Weinstein lens... It's like, okay, this makes sense. It's like, maybe that's what they're trying to say here, whether they meant to or not. Hmm. And not to bring in the real people again too much, but neither of them are that attractive people, even probably at 28. Yeah. Um, and they might have been dealing with rejection in Weinstein. their life. And, oh, yeah. You know, I was like, there's yeah. some cute girls and guys in this. <laughs> no, 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 no. No Weinsteins. Days so, of you know, our lives. There could lives. very well be some, like, yeah, like you write what you know. <laughs> and I, I definitely think there was some identifying with not just Cropsy, but definitely the male characters that we're going to get to in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of icky film. So we're back. We're at Camp Stonewater. Now, is this, have they renamed it or is this just around a corner on the same lake? I don't really know. I, it's got to be, because one of the other things that I find perplexing about this film is it's been five years. 
He's been burnt yep. and he just inexplicably knows exactly where this entirely different camp is. <laughs> and well, where, unless it is like it's one that they've rebuilt where Blackfoot used to be. Right. It did burn down. Well, that's what I feel like. And as we get later into the film and they're in these like ruins of buildings inexplicably, is that supposed to have been um, Camp Blackfoot at some point? And therefore these camps are nope, nearby. We'll <laughs> <I> just. <laughs> In, uh, uh, uh. I mean, what's weird about this is these are all fr- Jason tropes, but Jason hasn't really started doing them yet. So, mm-hmm. like, I f- it feels like, yeah, they've just watched the first three or four Jason movies and then they're trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's very strange that actually they're doing it first, really. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I presume that this is, you know, in the same proximity, at least. So we're introduced to loads of extras. We've got loads of kids. Yeah. They're all playing baseball. Bras have not been invented yet. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> I love running without it's- a bra. Get it. I mean, again, honestly, we can look at these things literally from the producers or whatever. This is just what the people were wearing. So this is just the time. And as Je- as Justin loved doing in our Friday 13th series was yeah, documenting the evolution of the bra from no bra to different types of bra throughout the decades. <laughs> And here we're definitely at no bra era. Yeah. Uh, but we got some gratuitous butt shots as Jason yeah, Alexander and his pal are chatting about a girl's ass. Right behind her. Where yes. she can absolutely yeah. hear them. And she's also yep. playing softball in bikini bottoms. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, she's the swimsuit model one. Yeah, I guess. We gotta gotta show them goods. It was hilarious, too, because Allie's reaction was like, but there's no butt there. And I was yeah. like, yeah, but at the time, that was all you got. Right. You just got these, like, super skinny girls. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the 70s. Yeah. It's like before, it was pre-heroin chic chic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, I love this, like, they knock a ball about six feet, but somehow it goes deep into the right? woods. <laughs> and can't be found. Can't be found. So this girl called Tiger. With all <laughs> the hair. I think she's called Tiger because later in the cafeteria we see she has a tiger on her shirt. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I then turned to Tom and said, if there's a scene where she's not wearing something that has a tiger on it, I'm going to be really pissed right. off. Right. But she kind of just disappears from the movie, which yeah, I thought upsetting because she she's like very identifiable. Yeah. Um, Whereas- she apparently did have a love interest, but he got written out of the story like, oh. at the last minute. So she was going to have a bigger role. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I one of the problems I have with this movie is that like, I don't know who's who or what's happening. And I get so conf- like, but she is be- by virtue of having this like early scene in this moment where she has to find the softball and all that sort of stuff. I know who she is. She has a very identifiable, identifiable haircut. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then just gone. And this is and right here in the scene. Like, I'm going to say again, like pre Weinstein as well, just from first time watching it. This is where I was was always just like, OK, there's a lot of people here. Yeah. And I'm both icked out a little bit, but then also appreciating that it feels more genuine because mm-hmm. these are most of these actual like 18 19 year olds who feel young whereas most of these slasher films yeah you're casting mid-20s so all mm-hmm. of these people feel like more much more vulnerable immediately to me because they look fucking young yeah <laughs> tiger especially yeah and that makes you kind of like when you got the pov immediately she goes in the woods and you've got old cropsy's pov watching her who then does nothing for ages <laughs> in yeah. this movie yeah so i don't know what the fuck he's playing at um, but he immediately, was just gonna yeah, give her a haircut. That's all I nervous. thought. <laughs> she has great hair. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he's got much. his shears out ready. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, but this is a proper camp. Like we're at the dining hall, and there are fucking kids everywhere. Yeah. Oh my god! And this is something which I mean, Katie, you remember, but like the Jason movies. One of our complaint was you never really get this. 
Yeah. Well, like, when, they're all set at these summer camps and you never fucking get like loads and loads of kids. Especially this scene and then the next scene where the girl's walking from her cabin to the showers outside. I was like, this, I think, is the only film that I can recollect that actually authentically captures a summer camp for me mm-hmm. because it really like I can smell that air in the morning. I can like feel the like gravel and stuff as she's walking. Like it feels that kind of like fresh ickiness that a camp has where it's like there's so many bodies around you all the time and I was like really impressed with that because it it just really somehow captured that mm-hmm. I will throughout. say it's it's jarring for me and I've never gone to a sleepaway camp like this so maybe that's just something I don't know but what you're saying they look young sure but they look like 17 18 and they aren't they are attending this camp as campers at 17 and 18 as opposed to being counselors. And I find that strange. Like, I was like, why the fuck are these, like, high school seniors in this at camp? Like, they would, you know, like, I found that to be weird that they are campers at this camp at a late teens age as opposed to counselors or something like that and then like the difference between our only continuing character Todd and these campers seems jarring. He seems like he's in his fucking 30s but is like I don't it was all the age stuff and their presumed no, age was weird for me. Yeah, I mean I agree with both of you. I mean like I, what Katie's saying yeah, the scene we're about to get to in a minute. I really, yeah, I really like it. It's one of my favorite things because there is a flavor to it. And again, mm-hmm. it's because there's no music there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, yeah, we're just following this girl when she goes to the shower. Like it does feel like, I've, yeah, I have been to not these ones, not ones in America when I was growing up, obviously, but similar things. There's a great vibe to it. I'd always wish the Jason movies got at some point. Yeah. Particularly in those earlier films. But at the same time, yeah, like I think it saves them that you have this huge dining hall because this huge dining hall scene immediately sets up. Look, there are tons of young kids. Mm-hmm. Like there are tons of like much, much younger kids here at this camp. We're just not focusing on them. We are focusing on these ones. I'm presuming they're meant to be 16, something like that, mm-hmm. really, like these guys. And yeah, from the camp, but they're on that borderline age, sure. Mm-hmm. And it is strange. Like normally in a, in a Jason movie, yeah, we do tend to focus on the counselors as they're waiting for the kids to get in. Mm-hmm. And then shit happens before that even happens. Yep, there's like a bridge here. And for sure, like in this movie, like when they're all talking, there's a lot of boy girl like chat of like who fancies who and blah, yep. blah, blah. For sure, all these girls would just be talking about Todd. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, none of them even mention him, but he's the only one they'd be talking well, about. Well, because I think Todd and the the woman counselor are a done deal, I think. And so it would be weird for the girls to you be don't discussing learn that for him. ages. Yeah, but it's also kind of assumed. Like, they're the two oldest, hottest, tallest people. So they're obviously looking at <laughs> the tallest. Yeah. Yeah. What's. What's not assumed is the conversation that happens in this, like, in the dining mess or whatever, where the girl that was hit on by Alexander's friend... Just walks up it, and Eddie. grabs Head her ass. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie yeah. is his she, name. She confides in everyone that he sometimes scares her. Right. And has this kind of serious conversation, like, fuck, where is this going? Which, again, watching it now has, like, weird feelings about it. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, smiles, goes, but also sometimes I like him. <laughs> Right. And it's like, this is, yeah, already setting the scene for some troublesome messaging that we're going to get throughout yeah. this movie. Yeah, well, and what I think that they were trying to do was maybe a red herring thing of like, right. early on, could Eddie be 
this voyeur killer, all that sort of stuff, especially as we get to the next scene, the shower scene, right? Um, but it's just, it all just feels But it's like Katie icky. said, it doesn't work because we've seen him in hospital. We right. know Cropsy is Cropsy. Exactly. Yeah. If he disappeared, then yes, I agree. You cut those two scenes and then there's a little bit of like, okay, maybe it's Eddie. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's Glazer. Maybe well, it's maybe fucking it's Todd. This, yeah. Maybe it's Alfred. Right. Alfred um, was the one that really they're really trying up. to pitch is him. Yeah. Yes. And it makes it doesn't work at all because yeah. they've shown us those two scenes. Right. They weren't even good scenes. So just cut them out. I mean, and unless like their unless their ultimate messaging somehow is that any guy can be a, a threat, essentially, like in some way. And but then they're not really telling if they're if that is their message. Then later they're not really following through on that by then having the girl say no and then be murdered because you're not well. Let's we'll follow it through. Yeah. I've marked it as we go through. And they do go back <sighs> to themselves. So again, I don't think any of this is thought out. This is just coming out partly because some of it's just horror language. Maybe some of it is yeah, it's also subconscious from the Weinsteins. I don't know. Um, but there is definitely some troublesome messaging uh, yeah. flying around mm-hmm. here. But yeah, there's a nice shot as we're panning for everyone sleeping. A fly lands on one of the girls' faces, like yeah. when she's leaving to go to shower, which I really liked. She's yeah. like, obviously you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is Sally. She wakes up, goes for a long shower, she really fucking loves washing out her hair. I she she is wearing a long t-shirt it's not just her ass is hanging like that is an appropriate sleep t-shirt that she goes to get a shower in i was very happy to see that (laughs) and it's way sexier because it feels real yeah Yeah. a hundred percent completely agree um, and what's even what's fucking hilarious is like in these movies normally they're like okay this girl signed a contract to get her boobs out get the boobs out straight away no. and and then sometimes they like to play with it and go like oh no we're gonna like tease you with this a little bit right. this one they 100% know what they're doing because so they funny. shoot it and Tom turned to me uh, like because me and Tom had like a bet before each one how many deaths and how many pairs of boobs you're gonna see in these movies and on this one, we were both like, yep, okay, here we go. And he's like, okay, nope, that's not going to happen. And then they zoom out <laughs> gradually right. to purposely go, here you go. <laughs> but like they zoom out and then up. Yeah. So it's, it's this so weird, this. awkward angle that's like those, they're great boobs, but you're not making them sexy. Yeah. Like those are just a weird upshot of a boob and no one wants to see the underside of a boob. <laughs> like that's not what you're going it, for. It feels like they were filming it and the cameraman had been told she hasn't signed a contract. And then during the actual shot, the director came over to him and showed him the contract. He's like, oh shit, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just started like zooming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really fucking weird. It is. And I don't have any quotes from her herself because again, she's stopped um, working after a couple of movies. But the director said, yeah, the two ladies on set, uh, this one was very relaxed about everything. She was very easy and didn't care uh, with the nudity and stuff. The other lady, sadly, found it very, very uncomfortable and awkward and did not enjoy it. Well, yeah, because she has to walk through the fucking woods naked. Yeah. Yep. And she was showing way more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll get there. Yeah. So, yeah, she gets spied on by Alfred, screams, people come running, and I mean... They hear her from a valley right. away. Men come out of woods. <laughs> Without shirts buttoned. Without shirts wow. buttoned. I, again, this is a moment where I was like, okay, I appreciate this like little Yelp scream that she gives too. It's not even like this blood curdling moment attracts everyone. I was like, great. You don't see this very <laughs> fantastic. often. Expected animals to just turn up. And <laughs> right. Yeah. So they've caught Alfred. He was prowling around the girl's shower. He gets reprimanded, but the men all seem to find it pretty amusing because, you know, boys will be boys. Well, his excuse- 
excuse was um, I don't have any friends, so I need to look at boobs in the shower. The fuck? So fucking insane. Fucking... Well, his first thing he says is, I only meant to scare her. Right, like, like that's like, better. That doesn't make it better. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even, like, not good, but at least better than I meant to scare her was. I'm really sorry. I'm a, you know, a teenage horn dog. And I just right. wanted to see some boobs. Right. I meant to scare her? Yeah. It's like, that's way worse. That's 100% Especially worse. it doesn't help that this guy looks like a young Woody Allen. So it makes his actions even more deplorable <laughs> yes. and creepy. Right. So, and we're immediately going to get into one of my big problems with the movie because this is the girl that we have walking through in silence. We're introduced to her. I'm thinking this is going to be our final girl. Right. She seems quite Puritan, mm-hmm. but we're seeing her boobs. That goes against some of the rules, but okay. But no, and in their own terminology, Alfred is the final boy. Yes. That's what they set him up as. I could not care less about alfred in this right. fucking yeah. movie 100%. and i spent a lot of the film trying to figure out who i'm really meant to be getting behind mm-hmm. well and he gets um, more and more unlikable as be. we go along yeah. as well so it's frustrating yeah, he he's does. just like this weird little voyeur kid and it's well and could it starts off with this this is a terrible way to introduce your final anybody because you're like well you're a horrible person mm-hmm. but then you learn okay everyone's picking on him so yeah he has no friends which makes no correlation to wanting to scare or see boobs yeah but then <laughs> But the very next scene after this, right, is... He's got loads of friends. He's got loads of friends. He's got friends that are defending him and shooting a BB gun at the big bully at the camp. So clearly, Alfred is fucking fine. Have fucking Eddie snooping on... Have Glazer snooping on her. Like, Glazer's into her, and they have this weird, you know, abusive relationship. Yeah. It shouldn't be Alfred here. It should not be Alfred or how we're introduced to his character. uh, Yeah, Yeah. I think that they're trying to set up that what we... is typical of Final Girls is, right, is that they just notice things and see things. But in this moment, it's just he's a snooping perv. Not a good setup. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And a big problem with an FES, all the girls are hanging out talking about sex. Uh, Sally likes Glazer. One girl says that she would take Alfred. The problem is, is that this is what we talked about with the Halloween films the other week. It's like Deborah Hill was a big part of that. Like they were smart enough to get the woman to write the female dialogue and Mm -hmm. the guy to do, you know, just concentrate on doing the spookies from the male perspective. And that works really well in Halloween. Here, it's very clear there's no woman involved with the female dialogue. Yeah, it's you literally like, oh, have yeah, a girl still sitting boys. there crying and smoking a cigarette because she's essentially just, you know, had this terrible thing happen to her. And it's then this other girl pipes in and she's like, oh, I would have sex with him. You wouldn't say that yeah. in front of the girl who just <laughs> was like peeped on by him. Yeah, like, not at all. And no one would have sex with Alfred. I'm no. sorry. Yeah, no, 100%. No. Uh, sorry, Alfred. Sorry, buddy. So then we get introduced to Glazer, who's just the most incredible fucking asshole. <laughs> like he's just and is not insane. under eighteen. There's oh, no fucking yeah. way. He's forty five. This kid already belongs in juvie. <laughs> yeah. Like this is he's in the wrong movie right yeah, now. A hundred percent. I feel <laughs> like the women really in this funny. film look young. The men to me do not look appropriate <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, and we're so we're introduced to Glazer and as his asshole, and but then we're introduced who's bullying Alfred, and then we're introduced to Todd properly, uh, who's every time you see him will have a different number of buttons undone. Yes. On the page. <laughs> well, also- at first, at first I thought he was just never gonna button it, and I was like gonna love that, and then yeah, yeah it just slowly goes down more and more and more yeah. throughout until it comes off, and then yeah. suddenly it's back on. It's like really <laughs> well, it's also inexplicable that like it's five years since the original Todd, right? And somehow he looks like he's aged ten to fifteen years, and his hair is no longer curly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
That's what coming out of the 70s into the 80s will do for you. I guess. (laughs) It does feel, again, though, I do like the vibe here. They got a lot of extras. It feels Mm -hmm. like a real summer camp. Um, Holly Hunter was quoted as saying it was one of the best gigs she did because she had to do nothing and she got paid $1,000 a day. Damn. Yeah, that's That's great. Which is. Which I don't, I find that very hard to believe on a shoot like this, but I mean, all right. Yeah. I'm going to go against Holly Hunter. Well, clearly they um, they inadvertently tripled their budget doing this movie. So someone yeah. was not yeah. monitoring the books properly. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I love how the guys um, are so very like shirt grabby in this film as well. Like at the beginning with Alfred, I think Todd like grabs him really aggressively and holds on to him. And then this scene with Glazer, he does the same thing and... Later, we'll see it. Yeah. I think Glazer does it to someone else. And I was like, guys are just very like, <laughs> like they just like grab fistfuls of each other's shirts. It's yeah. Very manly. Get kissy kissy. I know. A little testosterone going around. Uh, but it does feel like a real summer camp. Mm-hmm. I do like that. Everyone's hanging out by the lake. There is the vibe of the stuff going on. But we're just concentrating on the people yeah, that we've been introduced to. We get Fisher Stevens added in here, which made me excited, mm-hmm. who is skinny as fuck. Yeah, and oh, I think he's going to be an athlete. It's meant to be an athlete. Yeah, he's talking about <laughs> what? Like, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's why in the like, we're gonna see him go back for a vitamin, and that's what we're meant to believe why he needs the vitamin, even though it's a yeah, vitamin. Now that... keeps calling him his champion, and yeah. he's gotta like keep in training and all this shit. He yeah, is like he weighs looks like he's gonna break in half. dripping wet. Yeah. So the boys swim out uh, to the girls who are out on a pontoon. Uh, other than Alfred, because he's scared, but then he gets pushed in by the happiest laser you're ever going to see. Even happier than once he's had sex. This is his happiest the moment. Shortest in the movie. shorts. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. are only going to get pulled up higher when they get wet. <laughs> but the dweeb team have a fucking pea shooter. Um, so he managed to do this shot from about half a mile away because <laughs> Glazer like swims out to bother all the girls. Uh, where we're starting this incredibly infuriating relationship between him and Sally, which just makes me want to pull my hair out because they make it even worse because he's just this terrible sex pest throughout the entire film and is clearly a horrible human being. And she's clearly bothered by it about 70% of the time, but then the rest is like this playful like tease. And it's like, this is the worst way to write any of this because you're making it all this like just a terrible storm of... nightmare sex problems yeah and then she's just constantly like teasing him and then we'll deny him again and again and again and again well even like but later maybe. you'll see her almost half undressed and then he's you know obviously trying at stuff and then she's like no no not now later right when there aren't, isn't anyone around and he's like and then we'll do it and she's like maybe and it's like this is it's infuriating as a woman to it watch. really is yeah. it's very difficult to yeah, watch yeah. Yeah. Because everything he's doing is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But then you need to write the woman to have correct responses rather yes. than he's right. like terrible yes. like making things. And then nice. him at least be putting in an effort to then win her over in some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, and when you're young, people don't say always what they mean to say. You know, there are complex these people say stupid stuff. This isn't the way it works though. This yeah. isn't yep. how it's uh, done. Not an excuse, because he's forty five. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they managed to shoot his butt from fucking eight miles away. Mm-hmm. And then we get a like, we get a tiny bit of brief male nudity as the guys bend over to show their butts other than Alfred. And we get a tiny peek of balls. Yep. Tiny peek of... I didn't see the balls. That's about it. Yeah, I didn't God see the balls it. either. Tiny little peek. Tiny little peek. Well, that was purely accidental. No one signed a contract yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. No, there was no contract for that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that no does one not make us even in. for the following scene. No, it does not. But this is the moment that I, in my notes, wrote, is he the final girl about <laughs> Alfred? <laughs> I know. Because of the way that they oh. rally around and defend him and all this sort of stuff. I was like, oh, okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Oh. So many, it's almost pointed out, so many kids smoking in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, It's a yeah. different time. Yeah. This is also the point in the film where I write, is he the final girl? This movie has me very jumpy. I do not like it. <laughs> what? Nothing's happening. Nothing is happening. Any of movie. the tension building, anything where anyone would walk into a room by themselves, anytime no. the music kicked in, Shannon was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Me and Tom were just like, is, is he probably going to do anything? I know. He's really just like, he nearly killed Tiger and now he's just taking some time off to have a nap. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. He does fuck all for a long time. But I don't mind all of this. Again, this is, you know, this is stupid National Lampoon sort mm-hmm. of level, but we're just hanging out with some people and they're doing some goofy stuff and, you know, fine. But yeah, it's nighttime. Jason Alexander's brought in the porn mags. And I do remember there was always this guy who could get hold of the porn mm-hmm. mags and it was very exciting. And Glazer's all pissed because he didn't get lubricated rubbers because he can't apparently get a girl wet. Right? So he needs... Glazer doesn't really use angry. condoms. Like, like, who are we kidding? Me to fucking get a girl turned on first just give me the lubed condoms well, and let's go as we later see he clearly barely knows what to what is happening yeah <laughs> so, there's no way you know. this guy even uses condoms so. yeah that's probably the only part in this movie that i appreciate that we at later make fun of glazer for being bad at sex right <laughs> Well, yeah, as yeah, any woman right. knows, any guy that's, you know, pushing this hard for it and makes you all these promises, you're like, that oh, guy yeah. is going to last about 40 seconds and oh, then yeah. it'll be over. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 not going to be the one. <laughs> no. I do love this brief moment where Alfred just sees Cropsey's face at the window. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and he just freaks out. He's just like, he's just pressed up against the window, peering through for a brief second fucking great mm. uh, tom savini was kind of pissed because he only got three days to do cropsy's face and he's not happy with how the burn makeup looked mm. he thinks he could have done a much better job but the rest of the stuff here he enjoys this week and next week next week in particular is his favorite personal favorite film that he did effects for oh shit uh, that does not bode well for shannon no it really does not i don't know. yeah we'll get there when we get there but i don't know if you noticed when they all leave the room there's a there's a fucking cuddly tiger that's hanging on a noose yeah Oh, I didn't know what that was that? about. I was like, I know, was especially like, when you have a girl named Tiger. When, yeah. It's creepy. Because like, she was meant to be a bigger part with a love interest in this room. So I was like, was there a separate story going on about how she's like turning him down? So he's like got this symbolic tiger. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. did not I'm notice projecting. that. Yeah, I noticed that it was weird. So Jason starts mocking Glazer, chatting up Sally. Uh, what's weird here is like, and I kind of like it to be honest, because it seems weird, but it's actually from my experience, boarding school and going to camp stuff like being in these sort of dynamics particularly with a lot of boys together is the guys who bullied you would also sometimes be in your group you know and so i kind of like that glazer's actually kind of a part of their group even though he's also the arsehole who's constantly bullying at least alfred well i think by virtue of the fact in these situations you're all stuck with one another right and there doesn't seem like there's a, a lot of kids at this camp but in terms of like eight you just get piled in with your age group which is like a dozen people so by like you're all just forced to be in a group with one another, which I is accurate to my experience. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But just normally in these movies, you'll have the bully and he'll have his like bully sidekicks. Right. Whereas he's like the bully's really on his own. I feel like I don't. Don't get me wrong. 
but I sympathize for Glacier because he's clearly just an asshole who needs like help and no one's helping him. He's just being like, no one's actually, you, just, you, you need to sit down and have a chat to Glacier, you know, you need someone to communicate with. He's and instead he's actually Robo. like, but he, they don't really accept him in this group either. Yeah. You know, it's like, he's more of an outsider than Alfred is. Yeah. It's kind of weird. So this is what we're going to learn now. A bunch of the older kids are leaving for a three-day trip to Devil's Creek. Ooh. I mean, it's in the name. And Fisher Stevens has forgotten his vitamin E. So yeah, he goes back to his cabin to get it. We think he's going to get killed by Cropsy, but no, it's just Todd. I know, but it's also like one of the strangest storylines. Oh, man, I forgot my vitamin E. I got to go back. I well, and back. then one of the other guys goes, I can't believe you believe in all that stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I was vitamins? like, you mean vitamins? <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe in vitamins to make them work. They just I, fucking point, work. Like, is this kid literally going to die over vitamin E? Is that what this movie is telling really me? Sad. <laughs> it's 1980. Well, and then I was confused because when he does come back to the mess hall, the the there were like two of the other kids get yelled at by the counselor because it seemed like they had plotted a prank or yeah. something on him. And then it had gone awry yeah. and the counselor, like, it stopped it yeah. from happening. And I was really confused by that because I didn't yeah, get I didn't that get at all. I feel there's a lot of stuff cut for yeah. this movie. I really do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not necessarily all that was shot. I feel they cut stuff from the script and then never rectified the problems. <laughs> kind of left. <laughs> it was yeah. really strange. I was like, the kid who didn't believe in vitamins was supposedly setting him up. But was talking him yeah, out of going uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's irrelevant. But I it was agree. Confusing. Most of the dialogue I, in this, I was like, I, I don't understand what is happening. <laughs> all the little extras when they're shooting the wides of the mess hall, the the little kids in the very forefront are hilarious. If you just focus on them <laughs> and their food, because you can tell that they just like gave them shitty oatmeal or something, and they were like, just you know, be raucous and you can play with each other's food, like do whatever you want. And the kids are having a goddamn ball. There was one kid that's just like pouring salt in everybody's everything, oh, like in their milk and everything. And he's just laughing hysterically at himself. And at one point, he like looks up at camera to be like, isn't this so funny what I'm doing? <laughs> and it's so oh, good. He, I do think, really I do think there's something that the director brings to this is like having a background in doing documentary stuff. As we're going to go into the, from that, then into the next scene where we're going to cut to them all canoeing with phenomenal banjo music like proper and it feels like yeah this is this isn't staged this is just like yeah go out and do some stuff and he just filmed it like a documentary Mm -hmm. and then one of the canoes sinks and you can tell from the dynamic of all of the actors they're just having fun on set and enjoying their time you know yeah and this is genuinely what happened they accidentally sunk one of the canoes and i do think that's something that a director does bring like normally i feel documentary directors don't necessarily transition well to narrative but there is like an authenticity here with some of those moments, which is nice, at least in this first half. Um, and then we're going to get really what we should have started the movie with, which is a campfire story time. Yeah. As Counselor yeah, Todd I agree. tells yeah. us about Cropsy. Which I find very fucked up, by the way. Well, that we're going to find out that he was part of that. And then now he decides to tell it ghost. as a, yeah. like a scary story. Like, you literally set a guy on fucking fire and ruined his life and didn't, like, you don't even know that if you killed right. him or not. Yeah. Potentially, you killed a guy. Yeah. And then now you're deciding to, like, glorify yeah. it with a story. I found Completely. that very weird. It's fine when and, you, because at this point, it's fine because you don't know it's him. But once you know it's him, in retrospect, this is terrible. Yeah. 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 Exactly. 
Do you also find it weird, and Shannon can even join in on this because she's seen Friday the 13th Part 2, they, this scene, which is most famous for Friday the 13th Part 2, is exactly replicated in Friday the 13th Part 2. Yeah. We have a very similar looking counselor telling the story of Jason right. in exactly the same shots, pretty much. And then the guy jumps out with like the mask on, and I think he's got a spear, mm-hmm. like a skinny, goofy kid in Friday the 13th Part 2. This is exactly the same scene. It's so weird. And they got there first with this movie. It's so weird. It's really strange. But yeah. So he says everyone hated him, he was a drunk. <laughs> And he carried thin shears everywhere he went. And this is what we... If we're going to have the opening scene, what we needed to hear was the kid who did the burning was being followed around by Cropsey and thought he was, yeah, being some creepy man, like following him and watching him. Right. We don't get any of that in yeah. the opening scene. Not so like, this is the first time we're hearing that information. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because voyeurism is going to play such a big mm-hmm. part in this that we need to see that being replicated in another kid. Yeah. Because then... You know, it's that whole idea of like the lineage being mm-hmm. passed on to the next person. So, yeah. But I just got excited because this is where I spotted Holly Hunter. And I was like, Holly Hunter with bangs. <laughs> he says, he says also, he cried out in the flames, I will return and right. I'll have my revenge, which nope. Yeah. Rolled into the Yeah. Mob. Well, that's what like, we saw that scene, buddy. Didn't say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the music change is also hilarious. When he like jumps out, it's all like, oh, creepy, creepy, creepy. And then it's like... <laughs> so Eddie's out. This is uh, the original sex pest right from the beginning, not the Glazer sex pest. These are really the main two sex mm-hmm. pests of the film. Uh, he's out talking with this mm-hmm. girl that he likes, and she looks like she's the girl from Airplane. Yeah. Yeah, she really does. Yep. Really I agree. <laughs> and he's trying to convince her to get all kissy-kissy. But he manages to convince her to go for a swim instead, fully naked. And she's fully naked, yeah. which is rare yeah. in these films. That doesn't happen very Full often. Full bush. Yeah. We get to see her bush, yeah, but no. not even his butt, which right. I was like, this is unfair. And I thought Glazer would get his penis out. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. He doesn't care. Uh, they get kissy-kissy in dirty water, because if you don't want to do it on land, why not in dirty right? water? Right? Ugh. Um, Inexplicable. I just... Uh, is it ugh. wrong that, like... Throughout this, oh. I'm skinny dipping. All I'm thinking is like, oh, she might get an infection. Oh, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. all I am thinking. Yeah. You for sure do like from this stuff. And then yes. there's like only mud bottoms on these it's things. Disgusting. And there's leeches. Never, and it's I, like, I feel like oh. she's probably, you know, you it's said so she gross. was uncomfortable with this. Probably the nudity wasn't as big a deal as getting into that fucking water. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, these are also the days, very sad. I don't know from this film, but we've read it out in other horror films where... You know, obviously people are more relaxed with this stuff. So if the girl's fine with it, then the girl's fine with it. But when the girl's uncomfortable with it, this is before you had closed sets really right. things. So you'd be like, oh, yeah, everyone went down for that bit of shooting because they wanted to see that girl get naked. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, yeah, these weren't always the most comfortable things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's even less comfortable, and honestly, like if you're looking, if you're preening through this film for red flags <sighs> to do with the Weinsteins or whatever. This is it. This is the first real one. Everything else can be debatable because it's just part of the mm-hmm. tropes of the genre. This is it, where she just, you know, it's like, no, I told you I wouldn't fuck you. I'm certainly not going to fuck you in dirty water. He then loses his shit, starts screaming at her, says, why the fuck did you come out here then? Uh, She obviously swims away frightened because he becomes violent. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, he's this just angry fucking man who then we're going to... I feel like you're meant to sympathize with. <laughs> like, he doesn't seem like he's being shot as in, oh, yeah, clearly he's a dick, you know? Yeah. It's, I don't well, know. Well, 
it's really troublesome and honestly really uncomfortable. It is. It, it like it's it is very uncomfortable to watch. And certainly, as you talked about, it's difficult to watch this with a modern sensibility and knowing everything that we know now. Right. To try and remove that and think from 1981. But uh, it's just it's diff- difficult to watch. And to see the thing that really gets me about this is is Cropsey's motivation to kill, right? His motivation to kill, I, I thought, is revenge against these troublesome prankster boys, right? And that he's watching this scene. And what would make logical sense to me, if that is the motivation, is that he then kills Eddie. But instead, mm-hmm. he purposefully hides her clothing so that she is lured further into the woods. He sets a trap for her in order to murder her. So, like, this poor woman just avoids, is like quasi sexually assaulted, tries to avoid what could be a far worse situation for her, and then is has to like pick up her clothes around the woods and then is brutally stabbed with fucking garden shears by. Uh, mm-hmm. uh. And then, and then, motherfucker Eddie apparently survives the entire fucking night in this same spot. Yep. Like, nope, no worries about him. Don't need to murder him at all. We're just going to kill the woman. Ugh. Yep. Which you're absolutely right. But it's like, if, they, if this is going to, look, if Cropsey's going to be a voyeur and we're meant to find him icky in that way, like, you know, he's the villain. We don't always have to be right. behind a villain like Jason. The villain can be icky. And if we're going to do a proper correlation then to do with him, like we needed that information at the beginning about him spying on this young yes. boy. We then need proper correlation with the prostitute. And we then need the characters that are around these women to not also be similar to Cropsey. <laughs> like we need then, okay, Cropsey's, he's the one. Like he's going to set these traps and do these things that set up the horror tropes that they want to play out. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But you like you can't come from like, yeah, just a toxic male to like a different type right. of toxic male to like... It's not yeah. like it's insulting on both sides of the yeah. fence. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's just bad storytelling. Yeah. to yeah. be honest. And basically, they just want like, okay, what's our excuse to have this girl walking around naked through the right. woods? And you can have problems with that. And I appreciate people have problems with that. I don't necessarily have problems yeah. with that. But then you write it right. You find the right way to do that that it makes sense and it's not icky yeah. as much as it can not be yeah. icky. And in here, every every level of it is is icky. She does get caught. Caught. Sorry, got Cropsy slices her neck. And then sticks it in a tree, Ugh. and we see the blood running down. It's quite a nice amount, um, but not a, not a big enough kill for really something. He hasn't been killing anyone this whole fucking film. It's yeah. been so long. And you're like, okay, fine. Uh, next morning, oh yeah, Eddie gets woken up as Karen has gone missing. Eddie um, is still very yeah. angry. <laughs> he is, yeah. Jesus. He's so annoyed. Well, he still hasn't, presumably still hasn't had sex, so you know. Sympathy to God. sympathy for him. Masturbation, guys. <laughs> come on. Just oh, fucking God. use um, the shower for your personal time. Yeah. yeah, and I do like then, is it Todd or one of the guys like, are you sure you didn't just go a little too far? Right. <laughs> right. Like there's all, and that's another part of this thing is that like the female counselor and Todd seem to know that this guy, Eddie, ha- is a creeper. We've had this very serious conversation already where she says that she scares him sometimes. And like there's all of this storytelling stuff that makes 
no sense whenever we already know Cropsy is a murderer. Whenever you know what I yeah. mean. Whenever we aren't setting up that Eddie is potentially killed her or anything like that, or is supposed to be seen as this potential murderer. Yeah. Ugh, it just if you're going to deal with relationships like this and potentially dangerous like sexual encounters with young people, you yeah. have to treat it seriously. Like that has to that can be great, but then you got to do that fucking right and make it dramatic and and treat it well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no one here is going to be able to write that well or you know direct that well or anything so then if you're making a slasher movie then you just got to have fun and that's why most characters in slasher movies are kind of just stupid and having fun because you don't want to tackle issues like this because it's not the right place to do it when you don't have the craft to tell that properly yeah but yeah so there's a lot of problems here which are starting to raise their heads the canoes are all gone they think maybe karen took all of them because she's a fucking asshole right (laughs) apparently and she went back to camp and she uh she had permission to go if things got too hot with eddie and eddie finds this out and he's like ah fucks why won't women sleep with me i'm so temperate i don't understand (laughs) right but and also charming god damn it we know eddie is problematic so if if he pressures you too much to have sex with him you're free to go and that's Mm -hmm. fine why well, don't just keep Eddie at the camp if he can't control himself? Mm-hmm. And if we're going to go they with the correlation... these things to kindergartners. If we're going to go with the correlation that we have here, and they do go back on it later, but for a couple of times, the correlation is going to be, okay, this guy is uh, not, you know, not even in a modern terminology, 100% a sex pest. Yeah. She denies him sex. She gets killed. Yeah. The formula of horror films, again, problematic in a different way, is you have sex and you get killed. And right. that's, you know, meant to be the slut shaming that, that quite rightfully a lot of people don't appreciate in slasher movies. Right. This is the opposite, which is arguably even worse. Yeah, <laughs> it is, 100%. No, if you should have given in to that sex pest and then maybe you wouldn't have gone murdered. Mm-hmm. And that's the part we of this don't that you know can't that. divorce from the Weinsteins. <laughs> like the only couple that we're going to see actually have sex are the counselors, which doesn't in itself make sense because Todd is one of the counselors. Well, no. So, well, we'll get there. Yeah. Glaze is going to have sex. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. But yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But that's what I mean. At the moment, these are our first introductions to the rules of like, because you are thinking, okay, well, who's like, like Shannon's like, who is getting killed here? Like, what is, what's Cropsy pissed off about? On the plus side, Todd's shirt is just gradually starting to unbutton. As him and the the female counselor are just trying to figure out something's wrong here. (laughs) Yes. You got sex pests everywhere. Quandary. The woods makes everyone so horny. Yep. A little meeting, guys meeting about consent and what that means. This is a problem. Look, I've been a, a teenage boy. I've been really horny and unable to convince a girl to have sex with me. I've been around friends who didn't always know how to d- approach this stuff tactfully. You don't do what they're all doing here. Yeah. You might go yeah. behind a closed door and get frustrated and talk with each other about the situation, but you don't do the stuff they're doing here. This is what... Yeah, people who go to jail do. This is just, right. like, terrible. And what's worse is we cut immediately from that to another sex pest. Yep. As we get Glazer with the maybe girl, this good old Sally, who, yeah, is is not helping the situation either. Um, yeah. While then creepy Alfred is watching. <laughs> yep. Yep. She's like, woo. The fuck? The fuck? Yeah, because at this point, it's like the point that you want to reach, where you, you, as you do in some slasher films, that you're like, "Oh, I don't care about any of these kids. Like they're all terrible. Just kill them all." But then you don't. The killer never hits that point. It's not a spree. It's like picked out, and then that makes it 
worse. Well, the problem is, is that we're not focusing like, I don't mind Jason Alexander on this. I don't mind, you know, a tiger on this. I don't mind Sally mm-hmm. on this, but with not focusing on the right characters that we were introduced yeah. to at the beginning and the ones that we are being focused to, they're just making increasingly worse other than gradually Todd, who is going to slowly come more into the forefront, but it's way too late. It's like mm-hmm. he needs yeah. to be like, you know, if he's going to be our lead, then let him be our lead. And there's yeah. a reason for that. They they kept rewriting stuff at the end and we'll get to the ending. That's a little different from what they intended. But yeah, at this point, I still have no idea who I'm supposed to care about. At this yeah. point, I feel like it's Cropsy. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I don't know. But he's making bad choices. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But so they make a makeshift raft, which I remember doing once before. It was a lot of fun. Uh yeah, uh, I legitimately. I just, was, Allie and I just started cracking up as soon as the word raft was mentioned here. Oh yeah, throughout Flashbacks. Piranha, there are many rafts, and we many just finished rafts. the Piranha series. And at one point, I was like, "Oh, if you're going to build a raft, you should just drain the lake." That's <laughs> the logical idea. <laughs> oh my, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Also, guy Eddie, uh, he's gone as well as Woodstock, um, which is which is what's his face? The guy got excited. Fisher. About. Thank yeah. you, Fisher. So they're all out having a little paddle and then they spot a canoe and then in real time we watch them paddle over to this canoe because it takes yeah. forever. Which um, Fisher isn't even using his paddle correctly. He's doing it yeah, sideways. So you're not causing any movement, bud. Like, and he's the your, athlete. He's the athlete. <laughs> that's why it takes not ages. Not the smartest. Yeah, he probably didn't get his vitamin D, vitamin E that night. Well. That's it. Yeah. That's it. True. So he spotted his canoe, yeah, to go over to it. Cropsy apparently has been lying prone in this canoe, just hoping someone would. Right? <laughs> yep. That's also the thing that's inex. I thought maybe the body would be in there, but inexplicably, <laughs> Cropsy has spent the better part of uh, 12 hours at least just chilling in this canoe, waiting for someone to be disco- to discover him. Maybe it's where he sleeps, sleeps in the canoes. I guess. Well, we're going to uh, see him waiting. In yeah. another position really soon after right. this too. So he's all about the like rush to the next spot and then just take a nap. Yeah, let me he's he's the flash. Yeah. I feel once we're finally done with all of these and I'm back in LA, yeah, we should we should watch Leslie Vernon with Shannon because she'll finally be ready to appreciate a movie and she'll like that one a lot. It's a comedy. Okay. You'll like it. It is the parody, the the parody it's really of funny. movies. And how yeah. how a villain has to do all this stuff. But you'll like you'll enjoy it. Okay. It's like the behind the scenes or behind the magicians. Yeah. Curtain. Of you'll, how you'll literally get like yeah, how he got into that canoe it's and how really he has funny. to plan that ahead and how he has to construe things so that they're manipulated to get there. How much exercise stuff. you have to do to be able to get all that yeah. running done. I mean, honestly, he must be the That's world's really fittest funny. fully burned man. Yes. It's true. And this is the scene. So this is this <sighs> scene. He pops up. He starts stabbing. It's actually, I believe, still holds the quota for the most amount of kills in a slasher movie in the shortest amount of time. About 50% of the kills are on this raft mm-hmm. of the entire film. And we get fingers coming off. We get a throat being slit. We get a throat being impaled. A forehead is slashed. Um, now, to be clear, the skinny guy, he just got his fingers cut off. We don't actually see him die. And one of the girls just falls in the water. So yep. <laughs> at least two out of these five people we don't even see necessarily die. But we're meant Ugh. to believe they're all dead. But this is, yeah, the Raft Massacre. It's kind of legendary in Slasher. And it was hugely butchered. Uh, and we're getting to a little bit at the end of this. But... Yeah, I was surprised because I was waiting. This is what I was hoping Tom would enjoy. And afterwards, he was like, oh, it's fine, but it wasn't enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he wanted a lot more than this. I, on the other hand, have in big capital letters, I do not like this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. this is where it's all fun. You saw the making of. You're like the guy who had to have like it pushed into his throat. 
he's like Savini had to invent all these ideas, create the wall, put his head through the wall, and then like he's stuck. He can't move his head at all. So he's like this guy stuck there for ages, looking terrified as Savini's yeah. walking around with these genuine cheers, you know, and putting <laughs> like trying to get him in place. If he had trip with them, this guy can't even dodge because he's just stuck in place, you know. Shit. Um, it's really and yeah. especially after he watched the fire scene happen, yeah, he's like, it's like Please, you never trip. <laughs> fucking get your shit together, dude. <laughs> oh, do not impale my face. It's oh. a cool scene, no? It's definitely come on. It's a highlight of the movie. That all this fun happens. Shannon loved it. (laughs) It was after this point that I was like, I don't know how much more ratcheted up this gets. And Shannon was looking like she was about to run away. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. (laughs) I don't know if we should take a break. (laughs) Right. My next note is, I don't know what's worse, the rapiness or the stabbiness. (laughs) Definitely the rapiness. Yeah, we're here for the kills. (laughs) (sighs) Some of us are here also for some boobs, not in the context we're getting them. So let's just do with the girls, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Todd's getting kissy-kissy with the other counselor. This was a shock to me, I'll be honest. I did not see that they were together at all. I was like, oh, all right, fine. Oh, um, I got it. I picked up yeah. on it. I didn't. But this means that Todd... And also, sorry, yeah. Then uh, There's a scene earlier where they're pushing the raft out. And I'm like, is he wearing full jeans while waist deep in water? Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. He never takes off his yep. little denim on denim yep. outfit. Denim on denim on denim. But here, so if we're going to criticize the movie, let's give it an accolade too, shall we? Because Todd isn't at all pushy or a sex pest. No. And he gets to have, like, sex with a nice lady. Yeah. If anything, he's the one who says, you know, we shouldn't do it. And she's the one that says she wants to do it. And I was like, hello, you guys are the counselors. This is what you should be teaching your children that you're in charge of. Like, this is a healthy relationship. Uh, This woman is my favorite character in the entire movie. She knows what's up. She gets her sh- she gets her shit together. She is the one that like literally saves the day. Um, and she, she have sex with Todd. And, yeah, and she's in control of her own and she, in control of her own like sexual being and body. And she's the one that is like trying to help the other women as they're dealing with these rapey pests and things like this. Yeah. Her her whole function within this movie, she should be the focus of it because she literally yeah. is constantly saving the day. Or just doing small things that are actually helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I agree. Because um, even at the very a... beginning with Alfred and Sally, she's the one who's trying to tell Todd, you know, no, he, you shouldn't just let him off this easy. Yeah. He's done something really terrible mm-hmm. and he needs to acknowledge that. Right. And they're all, they just kind of brush her off. Even Todd does. And yeah, so she's like the only one with a capable mind but throughout yeah, we do this if, whole we do. film. Yeah, we have to give credit where it's true. Like maybe here the messaging is these other people are assholes. They're meant to be assholes. Do we need to see that? I would argue no. But here we have some good messaging um, with how this is set up. But to counteract that, then we cut to Glazer because he's finally getting his sexy time. So immediately as soon as I'm like, all right, maybe the message here is actually positive. Now you're saying, no, this sex pest gets what he wants. And we pan across his clothes because, yeah, of course, he's finished in seconds. And I'm so sad. Maybe next time. She's, that's literally how he sounds for the whole movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, she's like, you didn't do much to warm me up. It's all just like weird. You're put in downs. a sleeping bag. What do you want? <laughs> so he's like, so he's literally like, all right, I'll go get firewood. And we Ugh. do see his butt here, to be fair. So why we couldn't yeah, see it earlier? Finally, we got a butt. Yeah. Cropsy, though, stands over her uh, because, yeah. Then now we're going to get all the mixed messaging of like, okay, they're not trying to say anything in this movie. Yeah, no. yeah. Because uh, we've had bad messaging, we've had slightly better messaging, and now we've had like, uh? Uh, so he just stands over her. She fights back for quite a long time, but then we don't see the kill at this point. 
meanwhile, Alfred, he's creeping on Glazer, getting matches and firewood. So, he decides, so you know not what? subtly. At one point, I was like, Glazer absolutely sees him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't. He's he right behind him. He's right behind him. He's like, this guy's probably going to like bully a woman into sex tonight. I'll go and watch. And all, pretty much all of the Ugh. night scenes here are shot day for night, which really looks bad. Like, I'm constantly yeah, thinking, yeah. oh, this is daytime for most of these scenes. Yeah I, yeah, I was very confused by what time of day it was. And that's why I'm sure they keep showing us uh, these beautiful sunsets, which is probably yeah. my favorite part of the whole movie, is there's just, like, sunset shots to let you know, hey, we shot this day for night, but it's night. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But then they get back and Sally's not moving. And guess and- what? Good old Cropsy, he's right under there with her. Somehow. Giant fucking guy is in the sleeping bag with her tiny body and we aren't able to see it. Mm-hmm. He, if we know one thing about Cropsy, he's like a spider. He can make his body really small <laughs> and he just loves lying prone in right. various situations, waiting. He loves just waiting. <laughs> Assuming. He pops up, stabs, stabs Glazer through the neck and, and this, this is something which I like it more from knowing how they did it because it's actually kind of hard to do. He stabs him through the neck, lifts him up, and then walks with him through the woods while lifted and then impales him on a tree. It's a cool effect, and there's so many different sort of... I mean, they're rudimentary, but so it's many so different setup breaks they have to do. so weird because this is such a fucking Jason move. Oh, it's yeah. It's blowing my mind a bit. Because throughout this whole thing, Shannon and I were both like, oh, this is just like a Jason origin story. Yeah. And we were both laughing about it, and I never put two and two together that, oh, this would have been... Before. Yeah, before Jason was Jason. But this yeah. is this so is like a lost Jason movie. Yeah. Like instead of watching mm-hmm. Friday the 13th part one, you could watch this and then Friday the 13th part two, pretty much, you know? Basically, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot to do this. There's just so many different rigs he has to do. And like one of them is like, yeah, creating these like wooden boards that the guy standing would have to like hold in place then lift the other guy up on so you get like the feet being hovering while they're walking. Like just like really rudimentary stuff, but it's just fun when you see them in the making of because they're having to like That's awesome. decide, how do we do this shot? And now this shot has to be a different setup, and now this mm-hmm. one has to be a different setup. And there's a more complicated one next week that we'll get to, but it's um it's I don't know. I like the kills. Shannon does too, I can see by her face. Nope, 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 I do not. Even when the assholes died, she was not a fan. <laughs> Ugh, at least that seemed a little bit of justice, but I just I really hated the fact that the women always were killed first. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, Alfred, as I'm gradually starting, as the fear is creeping in, oh shit, this is meant to be our final person. <laughs> he sees what's happening. And you know, that's that's like, normally it's always the final girl who gets to see it first. He sees yep. it first, what's going on, rushes off to tell Todd. Todd, <laughs> not even going to bother doing up his shirt nest this time. No, not at all. No, Life's whenever there's short. an emergency, Todd's shirt, undone. <laughs> Completely <laughs> undone. And they find Glazer dead. So Cropsey just nicks Todd in the side of the head. And I wrote down, what the fuck? Uh, me yep. too! He's full on impaling everyone. This is the one guy you want to kill. And nope, let me just, I'm just going to nick you and then run off and do other things. No! Which in retrospect, when you know who Todd is, he's the only one he's going after. Exactly! Yeah, yeah I don't even know if we're meant to assume at this point if Cropsey knows that Todd is Todd. Yeah. It's impossible From, to know what Cropsey's intentions no are at yeah. any point in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, we've never seen him miss before. No. <laughs> yeah. No. It's, so it's, it's sudden, really frustrating. It's so bad. And this is where we enter the third act. And for me, the most frustrating bit of the movie. Because that's oh where we kick it off with like, okay, well, at least he's been doing kills whenever he wants to. 
even if I don't understand why always he's picking mm-hmm. who he's picking. But here we're getting into Cropsey just goes to chase Alfred. And that's pretty much going to be the rest of the movie. Yes. The, we've got the raft <sighs> floating back to Alexander and the girls. And she gets over to the raft. Bodies pop out. But uh, this is kind of fun. The screen turns to red as she screams. Mm-hmm. The remaining kids then crumble into hysteria, which <laughs> is what would happen. To be yeah, fair. Um, I, I honestly, I did. I appreciated. Uh, I was like, I appreciate these wimping, these weeping kids for their friends and things like that. That yep. seems accurate. Yeah, it was like a cool transition from them being like, yeah, you guys stop fucking around, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then, you but know, we know Jason they don't Alexander. they're all cut off. They're all cut off. I know. Off. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's really frustrating. They're just choosing mm-hmm. all the wrong places here. And then we just get endless shots of Todd running around as Cropsy's chasing Alfred Ugh, and Todd's chasing an Cropsy chasing Alfred. As well. And I'm like, is he really meant to be the fucking hero? This is where it's really hitting me just right now. Yeah. I'm like, this is insane. And Todd just Agreed. manifests a fucking axe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just out of nowhere. Right. Maybe Which that's is- why he wears jeans, because he keeps an axe, like, in, <laughs> in the pants. leg of his jeans. <laughs> is that an axe in your pants? <laughs> yeah. Um, Alexander and Co. go back to camp. Alfred finds a bunker. Now, this was meant to be... They had a bunch of different, a bunch of different things here. Um, it was originally written to be a boathouse that this was going to take place in. Mm. Um, but then they weren't able to do it. They were going to do it in this mine shaft in a sort of bloody Valentine sort of way. Mm-hmm. But they went to one mine shaft they were going to shoot in, and it was it was overtaken by bats, <laughs> so they couldn't <laughs> shoot them. <laughs> then they went to another mine shaft, and it actually collapsed. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! So then they just found these ruins, which were how? What were they from? I've got a note here somewhere. What they're from? I'll get to it at the end. It's somewhere in my last notes. But yeah, they found these ruins, and they decided, you know what? Let's just let's shoot yeah. here. So. Because <laughs> they thought it looked cool, it doesn't look cool. It looks dull no, as fuck. It's stupid. Um, <laughs> and and like and I, I was just like, where the fuck are we now? What? I had no idea. Where are we? What? Yep. Is happening? Like this is the point of the movie where I was like, everything is stupid. Nothing makes sense. I hate this movie. Because <laughs> you would for sure come across something like this maybe if you were out in the woods. I mean, I remember as a kid that you would kind of come across like foundations of buildings and things. Yeah. But even at, at like kid stuff, we were like, these are boring. Well, and you know how <laughs> you solve this problem? Put up a sign that is yeah. like burnt that says Camp Blackfoot. And then we c- and then everything makes yep. sense. I will buy That's what every- everything. And that's what every yep. Jason movie is going to do. Every Jason movie is going to learn from this. And I didn't right, appreciate yeah. it at the time. That I'm sure they watched this and then learn from this. This is how we should be doing moving forward. We know how to improve on the, upon this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do. Because it does definitely hint at like the Jason's house mom moment. Like it definitely comes full circle yeah. kind of like that. Absolutely. But only like, if, like Shannon was saying, there was a sign that said Camp Blackfoot. No, there's nothing. They just haven't set it up smart enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, so the other kids are called in the police. They're coming in by chopper. So then they decide to like, let's motorboat back. Yeah. Again, <laughs> and my just... favorite character in the whole movie, taking care of business. Calls yep. the fucking cops. Yep. Stands at the front of a boat in yep. her swimsuit she looking awesome. She is the hero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She looks fucking insane in this one. Trying to save her goddamn boyfriend. Yep. like from a Kalanetics video or something. Love yeah. it. She's amazing. I'm into her. I wrote down though here that they're really milking this bullshit because we're yes. just constantly cutting to this weird chase, <sighs> which is not there's like nothing. Yeah. It goes on forever and ever it's and ever. So just long. like uh, like Tom next to me was like, hmm. oh, for the love of God, if I have to watch him just like walk around another corner right? while looking scared of nothing. Well, 
but then I mean, he like falls down and almost falls on his own fucking axe. I was like, I hope oh, this is how you die. This guy's <laughs> terrible. So the Cropsy finally grabs him, takes him into room, and legitimately next to me, Tom is chanting, fuck him up. Yeah. <laughs> we're just no. desperate for alfred to die that is not yes. how you should feel about your final girl no, or not boy at all. oh it's so bad instead todd he screams. gets just like pinned to a wall right somehow Inst- with instead, his scrawny fucking arms for, he's bait is that what i'm supposed to believe that he's bait for todd <sighs> that's how i feel about this film yeah <sighs> There's no tension here at all. It makes no sense. Now Todd's taken over. He's just wandering around as well for fucking ages. Right. We find he he goes around one corner and discovers a freeze frame of a girl because they decided. I know. Yep. What is they that? Decided later. They decided later. So they had to edit her in. That's and this so was before weird. you could really do compositing. You didn't have digital compositing, so you couldn't do it in a way. I mean, it as soon as that happened, all three of us looked at each other. We're like, "What the, the fuck <laughs> was that? Was that a still from earlier? We're like, what the fuck was that supposed to be?" But then, if you thought things were too dull, and they are, a cropsy turns up with a fucking flamethrower, <laughs> right? Which, in some ways, makes sense to me because at this point. I am believing Cropsy knows that this is Todd. He wants retribution. Let's burn the motherfucker. I'm into that. But yeah. like, also, he should be scared of it. Like, what's beautiful? Jason drowns. He's frightened of water. Right. Uh, Freddy was burnt. He's frightened of fire. Like, these are the elements you need to use to to defeat mm-hmm. the villains. Yep. Uh, no, here Cropsy's just like, I got burnt. <laughs> Love it. Let's mm-hmm. use some of them flames. Do Where the has you. this flamethrower been the <laughs> right? whole time? Why wouldn't you just walk into the camp and fucking light it up? Right? <laughs> you would just genocide that camp and uh. just be like, oh, I don't have any resentment for kids. Yeah. Oh, no, you would just burn the whole place down while they're yeah. sleeping. You would yeah, just burn 100%. it down. Like they did to him. Yes. yes. But I'm on board because this has been so fucking dull. As soon as Cobsy walks around mm-hmm. the corner with a flamethrower, we're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like, something's going to happen. Fucking like Todd, sure. We just find out now through some cheesy flashbacks. Todd was one of the killers, as they <sighs> turn and say the names. I'm like, cool, kill Todd, whatever. Please kill Alfred very painfully. Yes, just burn this whole little cabin down with In- both of them. Yeah. Instead, we get even more stalking. Uh, we finally see Cropsy's face. I don't think it's as bad as uh, as no. Savini thinks it is. I think it looks pretty cool. I think he could do a lot better. I think it's just him personally knows his best and his standards. And I don't think that this is a Savini best. No, it's pretty creepy. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. Worked on me. There's plenty of horror faces when you see them. You're like, oh, that's that's really tacky. (laughs) Whereas this is a bit like, oh, they do battle. And for some reason, they decide to show Cropsy's greatest hit so far. I, again, I was like, is this what he's supposed to be thinking about? I don't... What is happening? Inexplicable. The third <laughs> act. Inexplicable. Just it's shambles. It's like a sequel where you're like, oh, remember those other movies? It's like, no, no. Do you remember two minutes ago? Right. Yes, dude. We remember them. They were awful then. Yeah. I was still watching well, no, this the, movie. To be clear, they were the best bits of the movie. So <laughs> the kills were like, yeah, just show me this bit and that's it. That's all I need to see. Mm-hmm. That's true. Alfred then stabs Cropsy in the back with his own shears. Pretty cool. But your men think he's dead. We're in then a chopper as the police approaching. Again, I like these POV shots. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Cropsy, of course, not dead, gets back, attacks him. They fucking axe him in the face. I have right. to say, me, me and Tom did applaud at this bit. We liked the axe in the face. Was, yeah. um, 
I didn't want Cropsey to die without taking out at least one of these guys. No, no, no. We hated that he died, but the the actual the action no, was cool. Yeah. Like it yeah. looked fucking cool. But then they set him on fire again, and we're both like, "Oh, great! Well, Cropsey's done." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He's you can literally done. see his yeah. skeleton. They really killed that through. dude dead. Yeah, he did. Yeah. There's no Which also, again, it made me sad because then I'm like, wait, was I emotionally rooting for Cropsey? I just kind of just wanted some comeuppance yeah. for something. Like yeah. Todd did a shitty thing. Alfred's a shitty person. These other guys did shitty things. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's really getting anything except now Cropsey's been burned twice. Well, like, and that's Cropsey's awful. the only one actively doing anything other than being a sex pest. So yeah, I'm right. rooting for Cropsey. <laughs> And I don't know how you come around a corner with a fucking flamethrower <laughs> in lose. a tinder dry building and lose against these two fuckers. <laughs> like, how did that happen, dude? Yeah. Todd almost fell on his own axe. I know. <laughs> you can't even button his shirt. Come that's on. true. Maybe you can't. Maybe that's why it's not, it's not a sex thing. He's just like, oh, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> They're pearl snaps. <laughs> They're not even real buttons. It's like I have to work out a lot because I can't figure out how to do up my shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so there you go. What happens? He's on fire. He's dying. We get some VO begins as we get a new group. They had to, they had to cast so many kids for this movie. They yeah, they really group. did. The counselor's telling the same story around the fire. It's kind of working. It's kind of creepy until he breaks the fourth wall and his voice right. echoes. <laughs> well, he breaks the fourth wall too early. He yeah, needs wait. to do it on that last line yeah. and instead he does it on the second to last line. I was like, nah. That's it. That's the end of the movie. Body <laughs> count 10. Now, we don't do body counts normally. Alex is the one. He counts bodies in, in real life and in movies. But this time I thought I might do it through some of these. So, That's 10 okay. people killed. Now, by the end of the film, the director had fallen out with the Weinsteins. Makes sense. Weird. So, yeah, they actually went to Tom Savini and asked him to rewrite and redirect the ending of the movie. Uh, and Tom Savini pretty much inherited this movie as his film. Like, he went on tour with it. And there's these great interviews with him now on the Blu-ray of him. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Why did I didn't get paid for it? I went on tour with the movie. I like went to all these places and talked to people. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I was doing with my And then life. he finds out Holly Hunter made $1,000 a day. And he's right? like, what the fuck? <laughs> right? I'm pretty much so sure that's what you said. I'll, I'll get to her quote in a second. But yeah. So, he, I don't think he did actually end up rewriting it. But the wine scenes then took over and re-edited it. Um, mm. So this is not necessarily like the, the director didn't divorce himself from it, but it wasn't the movie that he necessarily wanted. They had a lot of trouble with the ratings, loads of trouble with the ratings. Again, like we said at the beginning, this was in a period where we were getting a huge crackdown and particularly in the UK, the video nasties were a huge thing in, in the UK and it was actually a really terrible thing. So like when this movie was released uh, in the UK on, on VHS, it actually ended up uh, getting accidentally released by Thorn EMI, uh, uncut. <laughs> and if you owned that movie, it would be seized and you would be prosecuted. Like, it was oh. very, like, they were, like, police were battering down people's houses in the UK. What? It's a huge thing. There were loads of documentaries and books written about it. They would break down doors to seize what was seen as, there was a video Nazis list. You can look at it online. Um, and this was one of the films on that list. Really. How would they know who had it? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, this was prior to the age of like your phone listening to your conversation, right. so yes. I don't or like understand. Credit cards where you can track purchases, right? But it was taken that. It was taken so seriously, and there's a lot of just like you watch them now, and they kind of just you know silly little films that were seen as corrupting society, um, and they were illegal, and they looked at them like you're yeah, having weapons or having illegal pornography or something. It was like mm. really 
and they were on a big like they were they were actively going out to shut this shit down wow yeah so the other changes like in the script we said about the boathouse now todd originally was the final boy they always wanted a final boy and not a final girl todd was originally final boy and alfred was meant to die at some point that didn't that got changed alan was the character who got cut out who was meant to be the love interest for tiger they had some positive test screenings with this film, and then it got picked up by Film Waste Pictures in February 1981. Uh, these are the guys who put out to their town that dreaded sundown and the last house on the left, but they were having some financial problems, so they were trying to jump into the slasher boom to get some money back. They wanted to rename the film Tales Around the Campfire, <laughs> but luckily Boring. They, they lost <laughs> that battle, luckily. Uh, the film opened really strong, actually, but it had a 50% drop by the next weekend. Uh, and it didn't open at that many cinemas. It ended up coming in at 27, I think, uh, that week or that month, however they did it back then. Behind slashes such as Friday the 13th came in at number two. And number one, Happy Birthday to Me. That wow. had a better opening than Friday the 13th Part mm. 2. Which wow. is a fun movie, to be fair. The, yeah, the film, like we said, was censored massively. It wasn't released in the UK uncut until 2002. Dang. And it wasn't released in the US uncut until 2007. Oh. So you've only wow. been able to see this movie in the format you eat. We watched it for the last 12 years. That's amazing. That's pretty crazy. When they finished wrapping the film, there was talk of a sequel, but between the disappointing box office and, well, not as much as they wanted. They hoped to make Friday the 13th numbers. They certainly did not. Um, and Malum not wanting to become typecast as a horror director, it never really happened. Yeah, the Holly Hunter quote I found came from Total Film. She did an interview there. And she said, well, look, I got paid more than I ever could have imagined on the burning. I was making... Oh, no, sorry, it wasn't a day. She made over $1,000 a week, which she said was incredible. Oh, okay. She yeah. could make her rent. She didn't have to wait tables. She got all these new friends. She was kind of a glorified extra. And she got her Screen Actors Guild card. So it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Good for you, Hell Holly. yeah, girl. Good for you. Now, before we get to our feelings on the movie... I do want to poison the water a little bit with our friend Jason Alexander. Oh, great. Everybody loves Seinfeld. I think most people appreciate Jason Alexander has had some, I don't know, he's not necessarily the most likable person after the show. Mm-hmm. On March 27th, 2013, pretty recent, Jason Alexander was asked on Twitter by someone what his favorite memory was of filming The Burning. Do you want to know what he replied with? Watching that girl get naked. Looking at Carrick Glenn, the girl who played, yeah, Sally, who got naked. Uh, well, Sally only got topless. Sure. And oh, for, maybe what? you didn't even mean the topless. Maybe you just meant just looking at her. Yeah, she, she, she is a stunningly beautiful woman, but yeah. still. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I could totally believe that that would be the true answer. That's not the answer you give on Twitter. And particularly no. not in 2013, like 30 years later. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, this was like kind of the early-ish days of Twitter, though, when people were just saying things without realizing how powerful Twitter was going to become. Yeah, Maybe. but it's also like change one word, not looking yeah. at, working with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know what we I mean? all know what you meant. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there you go. That was the burning. How do we feel about it? We're going to then tease in what we're doing next week so we can get Shannon good and excited. No. But let's first of all hear how you felt about this movie, Shannon. I mean, I feel like it's pretty clear. I fucking hated it. (laughs) (laughs) But you have two barometers of hating it when it comes to horror movies. So where does this fall? Which barometer? 
uh, listen, here's the thing. I can I can understand the kills in this movie are graphic, which is never going to be my bag. I am not into that. It makes me sick. I All I'm thinking about is how that hooker feels as he's twisting the fucking scissors. But I recognize that like that is what horror fans are into, right? These I feel like the kills in this movie, the actual action of the kills are cool and they're fun. I and with the shears is a great weapon, all of those things. I can recognize that. The backstory-ish that we have for Cropsy is interesting, right? Whenever we finally get that camp story and what that is. So there are there are things in this movie that I recognize are good for horror in general, right? Are good kills, good like villain-ish but the actual like narrative of this film is so all over the place that it is difficult to follow i was there are too many fucking people and then there there are both too many people and not enough people all the same time in some ways in the sense that like we aren't following the same gaggle of guys from the beginning of the film that set this prank we're only following one and i feel like i spent the first 30 minutes being like wait who huh well he has curly hair is he is alfred supposed to be one from the beginning because i know that that has to come back right so i just i find the narrative confusing at best and then very problematic as it comes to all the rapey rapey sex stuff and that you know i have a t-shirt rapey rapey sex stuff (laughs) (laughs) but like that i have to keep in the context of 1981 and all of this sort of stuff and that certainly doesn't excuse uh, that but i know i'm looking at it with a modern sensibility right this seems more aggressive than any slasher movie that i have seen to this point Right. And I really, really, really hate Alfred. Hate him so much. (laughs) I hate him as this final boy. And I think that's the thing that really grinds my gears the most about this film is that like you they're predat they're sexual predators. The story is so convoluted. I don't know who the fuck I'm supposed to follow or care about at any given point. And then we're not even gonna let a woman have a victorious moment at the end by being the final girl. We're giving it to fucking snively watch a girl shower Alfred. Like the fuck who came up with this it makes me angry <laughs> it's one of and, those moments and Todd like a male that you guys like but then they take that away from you by telling yes. you he's a fucking murderer yes. or t- attempted murderer and <laughs> like like I just it, it makes it makes me so angry and it's one of those moments it's one of those films where I'm like yeah this is why we're here this is this is why we're dealing with all the stuff that we're dealing with in the industry right now. And you can't divorce the fact that Harvey Weinstein, the Weinsteins are a part of this in a modern narrative. And it just makes it basically unwatchable, in my opinion, like so disturbing and gross and icky that I just burn it. Ironic. Burn Love it. the Bernie, the burning. The only redeeming factor of this film is the camp counselor woman who is fucking amazing. That is it. She should be the fucking final girl. And it is very annoying to me that she is not. <laughs> to be clear again, like they weren't just involved. This is their first ever film. 
And I do think it's always interesting watching people's first films because that's where you get all the honesty, really. Yeah. Because they're not yeah. they're not aware yet that, that people are watching their films. Yeah, a hundred percent. They're not trying to like hide like that's and that's the thing. The like rapiness of this film is is indicative of a time period where people just did not care. And they are openly shot like professing their beliefs of like mm-hmm. We should be pressuring women. You can't say no to me. Don't be a tease. Go fuck yourself. Unwatchable. Burn it. Burn the burning. (laughs) (laughs) On the video nasties list for Shannon. Katie, how about you? Um, I always think of something that you've told me, Al, which I remember a lot, which is like every movie is an accomplishment in and of itself. You know, that it has a beginning, a narrative, and an end, and that somehow somebody has been able to edit those things together, like all the shots that you get, all the moving parts of a film, and that you're able to actually produce something that other people can watch is like a triumph. And I do believe that. And I feel, but you feel the, the prematurity of this film while watching mm-hmm. it because it's kind of missing some of the basic elements of what a movie is supposed to have, which is, yeah, like a narrative that makes sense and that is fluid throughout the movie. Like characters didn't build an arc with your viewers. Like you didn't know who you were supposed to be rooting for. That's a problem. You didn't really know the motivations of your aggressor. That's a problem. Like all these things that I think they were trying to act were mysterious. Just make it a really muddled mess by the end of this film to the point that it, yeah like how I was feeling is that I didn't love Cropsey all the way through but then at the end I'm hoping that he kills these two guys one of which I've liked all the way through and has been the most stand up man the character that we've had in this story so it's like you guys needed to like reference these feelings that people were having did they not show it to anyone as a test screener like there's no way that they showed this to someone or a group of people and everybody came back and said it's perfect let's well um, no one ever does that but they had very very positive test screenings very positive test screenings i don't i don't understand that yeah i mean unless it was just all guys in the test screenings yeah (laughs) just because like it just didn't feel like they got feedback even these girls that you had on set with you they should have just been asking them like in this situation, how would you have reacted? What would you have wanted this guy to do rather than like what he's doing? How would you have rather someone approach you? How would like, what would a guy have to say to you to get you to like have sex with him in a muddy lake? Like just referencing what women actually feel, I think would have helped a lot. And there's no way that they did that because yeah, they obviously have a very strong female lead that they just do nothing with. Like she literally saves the day at the end and that's completely just glazed over. Mm-hmm. And we don't, yeah, we lose half our cast for some reason at the end. And it's just kind of, it's so fragmented all over the place. But I I really do appreciate the effects. Like I love Tom Savini's work and it's obviously something that he's excited about because that comes through and you can see it. And to me, I'm completely baffled and in part amazed that this does come before the Friday, the 13th series, because there's so much here 
that is the core and the foundation of what made the Jason films so popular. And so that it kind of hurts my heart because I'm like, maybe Jason's a ripoff of this film that I, <laughs> that I don't especially love. But at the same time, to be clear, Friday Thirteenth Part Two came out the same week as this. So, like, right. what? Right. Sorry, so I slightly misspoke earlier. Like that scene at the campfire is identical between two films that could not possibly have known that they were doing mm-hmm. that scene. In the right, way, but I mean, just so many things are similar throughout. No, um, even like the hiding technique, the kill techniques, the the setting, like just everything about this. Even the lumbersome giant, you know, kind of ugly person that. Mm-hmm is coming after these kids, the idea of revenge against people who've done you wrong, even though he doesn't have revenge against the people who did him wrong. It's, yeah, they're just out living their life somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I don't it's hard. Like I don't really know how to feel about it. I hate aspects of it and then I like other aspects of it. So I feel that I'm just below the tipping point of like recommending this film. I understand where it is like where it is in the scale of horror films and that it should be respected for what it's doing now like that it did something then that should be respected now but at the same time i feel like only elements of it should be respected and held up into light because otherwise it just falls apart I'm going to say over like the 10 weeks, it's going to get murky with like when we get to the wrap up and we have to place the 10 11 movies in order 11 movies I'm really going to recommend you guys maybe like privately give write down scores or something. So it's going to help you by the time you get to the end because it's going mm-hmm. to be kind of complicated to sort of shuffle some of these around. It's so yeah, difficult to give this one a score though. Exactly. <laughs> no, but that's what I mean. It's like, but like if you find it difficult now, it's only going to become harder later. Like it's, it's, this is the thing with this movie. So again, just impress it again. This is a beloved movie. And I think there are many reasons for that. I think one of the reasons is because when you have a movie that's not the worst, <laughs> And oh boy, I've seen some of the worst, but in the slasher genre, that was, yeah, uh, it was cut for so long that definitely helped it become more famous. You know, people mm-hmm. were waiting to get the uncut version of The Burning. So when we finally did, it gave it this whole new lease of life. And it's very, you know, a lot of people love it now. And a lot of people love it also because yes, Tom Savini. And a lot of people love it because yes, it's got, you know, it's precursor Jason in many different ways. But it, for me... Every time I watch this movie and next week's movie, but for very different reasons, and this is why we're doing two for 1981, because they're both as beloved for slightly different reasons. Both have Tom Zavini working on them, but that's about the only thing connecting them. I never know. I'm always trying to pick which one I like more. And we'll get to it next week, why it's complicated. But this film is like, I always, every time I watch it, I'm like, this is the time I'm going to watch it and love it. And every time I watch it, I find more things that kind of upset me about it while also still seeing the things I liked originally about it. My problem with this movie is there's just three things that you change, and I love this movie. Like, you just mm-hmm. change the amount of sex pestery going on in yeah. this film, and it wouldn't take much. It would be really just a couple of crucial scenes. Like, the rest I can put up with. You know, there's a level of it where it's like, okay, well, that's disappointing, but that's meant to be an asshole character. But mm-hmm. there's a couple of crucial scenes where, like, this is terrible. You just get rid of them. You then learn how to focus your characters because they mm-hmm. have so many and they don't pick the right ones to focus on. Mm-hmm. Just focus on the right fucking character. And then in the third act, you make something actually happen. And I would love this movie. Because I love the setting. I don't think the directing's phenomenal, but I think he's got some actually some nice moments in here. I think he does a great job uh, with the killer. Like We never really see Cropsey, but I feel like we do. 
We have some cool, inventive, and fun kills, just nowhere near enough of them. And we have loads of characters here that I like. Like, there are lots of people in this that I like more than people I see in other slasher films. But we're not focusing on them. Like, Jason Alexander does nothing. Like, the guy, um, again, who I keep forgetting his name, Fisher Stevens, he dies and does nothing. Sally does nothing. The two counselors do nothing until near the end, and then it's kind of sidelined too much. It's like... They're not focusing this right. But there's a lot of people here I'd really enjoy seeing. And instead, I'm really focusing on fucking Eddie and fucking Glazer and fucking Alfred, who is the worst because he doesn't even have a personality. Yeah. He's just like yep. the, a ghost of a character. It's ridiculous yeah. that they ever thought that he could lead anything. It's like a little limp noodle throughout yeah. this whole thing. His personality really is. is voyeur perv. Yeah. 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 It's, it's baffling. It really is. And it's very frustrating because I can get why people can look at this and go, oh, yeah, I love the burning. But watch it and ask yourself, do you? <laughs> really? <laughs> because, sure, you can love moments of it and you can love the idea of it and the flavor of certain bits. But other bits have to taste bad. You know, like there's some really terrible stuff here. But again, that said, I enjoyed the first act quite a lot. Like there's some little, pro it's not like a great film, but I enjoyed the first act. I enjoyed the setup in the camp. I enjoyed the energy of all of the kids. The second act, we start to get into some of the kills. I enjoy that. But sadly, we also get into some sex pest stuff. I don't enjoy that. And the third act is just an absolute slog other than the kill of Cropsy, which is cool, but just disappointing because you're like, why didn't he kill killing more people, please? Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't kill Cropsy. So a frustrating, weird muddle film with, for me, lots of peaks and troughs. And in this day and age, yeah, it is difficult to divorce it, That which is why we've brought it up. We tend to not bring it up because it's nice to like, you, you want to kind of just judge something without thinking about the creators too much. But it is hard here. It is hard. So that's The Burning. 1981. Next, next week, we're not moving on to 1982. We're staying in 1981, but I'll tease that a little bit for Shannon in a second. Before we get there, though, again, please do go type in We Are Geeks on Things and subscribe and rate us. It does help us out a whole bunch. You can also go on starfishmixtape.com where you can uh, find a list other than Hulu, which hasn't been updated there yet, and watch our film and then go online and talk shit about our film. Other things are happening in places. You can find out about some of them on our social medias. And my personal social media is Mr. Al White on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Xbox, and now on PlayStation, because thank God PSN finally has allowed you to change your name. Uh, what about you guys? I'm Shannon Hollander on Instagram. And that's, and that's all you need to know. And I would like to uh, double down on something I inadvertently said earlier. Please do not send me your naked photos. Unless you're just in law. <laughs> I mean, unless people pick up the mood of this film that means that you do want their nope. naked photos nope. no I even though gonna, you're protesting yeah, no, what, no what it means is that shannon's gonna die because she's not reciprocating oh, <laughs> oh true God. shannon but even if you do reciprocate you'll probably still die yeah, yeah probably will still get you lost forever. Um, i'm my dearest watson on instagram and at watson dearest on the twitsters the Twitsters. Twitsters. I'm excited, guys, for next week because we get to do this all again with Tom Savini and more spookies. It's going to be a very different vibe, a very different story. I'm not going to have to actually strap Shannon down for this next one, am I? Ugh, I'm not going to spoil anything scared. about it because, again, it's it's complicated why these two films, it's difficult to pick the you know which one we should cover, which is why we're doing both. Just waiting for Al to actually get back into the States so that he has to sit with Shannon through these and... Be accountable for making you watch these. I appreciate that. 
I'm not a cow, but she, 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 she really opted into this series again. I don't know what happened that day, but I don't <laughs> it was know. not. I made a, a poor no choice. Pro- I made a poor she was choice. <laughs> the I don't really want to say anything about it other than two. I like to get a couple of facts. One fact is you are going to get some historical news footage, ac- actual historical news footage in the film. Okay. From World War Two. Oh, okay. Also, yeah, if you didn't like the kills this week, all I can say, Shannon, <laughs> is oh, that God damn. When me and Tom watched these two movies actually back to back to prep for these two weeks, um, and he hadn't seen either of them. We watched this one, and I was like, yeah, did you like the kills? He was like, oh, all right. And I was like, dude, that film was banned for fucking 30 years because of mostly the rap scene. He was like, yeah, it was fun, but it wasn't like gory. I was like, yeah, I kind of agree, but I just, I know how legendary it is. So then we put on the Prowler. We watched the Prowler. Again, I won't discuss the feelings. However, with the killings, Tom was happy. That's all oh, I'll say. Tom no, no, was no, much no. happier. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and I was too, but we'll get there. Uh, and I think from the words you've been using for what you didn't like about this week's, yeah. Yeah, you definitely won't like next week's. Oh, no. She's just not going to show up now. Great. Okay. <laughs> well, the rest of the film I think you'll be fine with. Oh, great. Okay, good. Just got to get through these fucking nasty fucking <laughs> bullshit fucking... God damn. Jesus Christ. <sighs> this um, is how Shannon is while watching these movies too, by the way. I made hey, a look, mistake. Look, the week afterwards, you get the Slumber Party Massacre, so you go that Oh, it's so to. good. All right, guys. It's been fun chatting to you. I appreciate it. We've done another another epic fucking episode. Uh, yeah. Until next Friday, we are out. Geeks. Geeks! Geeks!